and welcome to Metrospective, the mecha podcast where we cover everything from Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm Tooch. I'm Devin, and we're back to Gundam. We're back, babies! The universal of centuries. I miss, I miss Gundam, and I'm gonna say that, like, I, I hadn't watched this. I, I watched every episode when they aired. We did the first two, and we did the first three, but the third one never got uploaded. And uh, we recorded the first three because we did these as SDs when as they were coming out. Yeah. I, I reread the uh, origin manga like a year ago. I still uh, need I to. own all of it. It's it's very good. This um, the OVA is I'd say like a like a ninety five percent adaptation of the of three volumes of that manga. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it, it's funny because like like episodes one and two cover volume five, which is Char and Sela. Episodes um, three and four cover two war, and then book. Uh, I mean, episodes five and six are cover you know volume seven, which is Loom. And uh, so, just up front, we're just gonna say complete spoilers for 0079. Uh, f- and I mean, that's <laughs> we we should say that up front every episode of this podcast, no matter what mecha yeah. we're talking about. <laughs> Can we keep because because Mobile Suit Gundam 0079 is probably one of the greatest animes ever made. It's like I'm not I'm just I'm full on I'm just gonna say that now. And like yeah and and regardless of re, re, like regardless of an individual audience member's you know subjective critique of it, it is seminal. It is historical. It is a piece of canon when referring is, to anime, but especially mecha anime. It is it is just it is very important. And it's also a very, a very good baseline for to be, to compare a lot of different things. And so I'm not going to hesitate. Just we're going to just get into the meat of this because we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to try to cut a little bit of the fat early. Um, wish I could cut some of my fat, but uh, that, that's my Leno joke of the night. Um, but I want to jump straight into this and just pretty much say this is the best prequel ever. It's good. Because most prequels either are irritating or miss the point of the source material or just, like... It's like, like okay, that that was neat flavor text, but also, like, every, like this is clearly just... We're just trying to get another paycheck out of this one. Yeah, it's, it's like... There, there's very few prequels that are, like... Th- that are... That rival the original in quality. <laughs> yeah, and, and also... And I think that... We we owe that to Tomino's world building because I was thinking about this as I watched this, especially once we got nearer to the end, where I'm just like, n- like there's 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 so many events that because like, what a lot of prequels will do is because most stories will do like a certain amount of world building, but only as much as they need to, which isn't necessarily a bad or good thing. It's just a thing. Uh, in order to explain how we got to this point, whoever's in charge of the prequel that's not the same person basically has to make shit up and be like, oh, actually, this happened all along and just nobody mentioned it. And that always comes off as pretty hokey. Tomino... The, the, you watch 0079, you know about multiple events that are established as important that we never see because they happened, but that's not crucial to this. Like, Tomino has an understanding of how history works that a lot of writers don't. Is that, you know, like, a a movie or a story isn't just, like, 
a lot of stories will treat their narrative as this is the most important thing that that has ever happened and ever will happen in this fictional world until we want to make a sequel. And it's like, that's not how history works. History is an eternal, never-ending cycle of important moments. I remember when I first got you into Gundam, because I'm going to claim that I got you into Gundam, because I did. Yes, you did. When I got you into Gundam, and I was essentially rambling to you about, like, the big picture of it, and you'd only just seen the movies, I was just kind of mostly rambling about the Universal Century as a whole, talking about Zeta, Double Zeta, Unicorn, Jars Counterattack, and, you know, and Origin, which was coming out, which was, um, which I had re- which I was reading at the time, and you pretty much looked at me and said, holy shit, Devin, I think this might be the, this might be the Middle Earth of sci-fi. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the Middle, it's the Middle Earth of, it's the Middle Earth of sci-fi, or at the very least, it's the Middle Earth of Mecha. Um, very much so and but so like Gundam Origin owes itself to that world building Tomino did the work of like establishing key events that like that put into motion the story he wanted to tell and then left that shit like there was no and and again another another I mean maybe he would have eventually done this if he had like a better budget at the time of producing it who could say but the show that he ended up making there was no big like flashback episode there was no there was no symbiotic titan random flashback episode to show how they got to planet earth you know um it was all like through like very vague flashbacks and dialogue the only shot like, the, the the argue arguably the most important event i mean probably the, you know the most important event the thing that kicked off the one year with a colony drop we get we get a a background map painting of australia and a cell a of, city that of, isn't even just isn't yeah. even supposed even like we don't even know what city it is. Yeah, and, and an animation cell of a colony sinking under the shot, and then an explosion, and that's all we ever hear about the colony drop. But it killed half the planet. Um, but and this one goes that into in that. graphic detail. Yeah, the ramifications. What I also... Who I also think deserves all the credit in the world right now is Yoshikazu Yasuhiko, the author and artist of the Gundam The Origin manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yoshikazu Yasuhiko has been on the Gundam train since the jump. He was the character designer for 0079, and still, he's been doing Gundam character designs as recently as Unicorn. Fucking good. Where he did the illustrations for the Unicorn novels too. Good on him, because you can you can tell like it's it's that I, it's that shit that I love because there there's so many artists who like for one reason or another they they pretty much they draw the way they draw and they, there's not much evolution in their work for whatever reasons like uh but. When you when I look at Gundam Origin, the Gundam Origin manga, and then the art style in this, like I'm like, yes, this is unmistakably Gundam, but like it's so much more refined. Like it's like not that not that the 0079 original anime looks bad, but like it's a different. It looks phenomenal. It's it's an update. It, I can tell that he's grown as an artist, but still has that same over the thirty something years between the yeah. start over the yeah because it's like. There's been his his also his his like his credits are astonishing. Like with the manga he's done, the character designs he's done, he's done numerous illustrations for sci-fi novels. He's done numerous character designs for everything from like from like Crusher Joe and Dirty Pair all the way to Gundam. Like he's been around. Like because like I I and watched not even not even mentioning his like directing credits and his key direction credits. Yeah, because, like, I, I, after I got done watching this, and, you know, the, the, the back half of this has more and more Amuro, uh, which I'm fine with because Amuro's great, but, um, and then after I finished watching it, you posted that gif, you posted that image of Amuro running into a pair of uh, bra, running into a bra uh, hanging up in the laundry. And, like, recoiling in fear. And I was just like, and I just looked at, I looked at this scrawny, big-eyed twink and was like, who is this? <laughs> 
because <laughs> he's not my he's not my gangly buff teenager who I just watched like three episodes of. <laughs> who I just watched walk up to the to a secret government base and go, hey, what's what are you making? My, <laughs> I found a com- there's a computer in my house and it says you're making something. Can you tell me what it is? Because I really want to know real bad. <laughs> and it's just like he thought everything was gonna be fine. <laughs> but we're getting no. ahead of ourselves. We're that's 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 for the last episode. <laughs> but uh, so. The for those not in the know, Gundam: The Origin is a uh, full. Re- I think it took ten years to make. Um, it was a. It's a full retelling of 0079 with with uh, a couple alterations. It's kind. It follows the show, but makes but still retains all the changes the movie made. So like the Gundam hammer isn't there. The Gundam B parts aren't there. The uh, the white the biggest difference between the movies and the show is that. The white base never participates in the Battle of Odessa, which makes more sense because Odessa is in like, is in like you know, Eastern Europe. So why would the white base immediately change course when going to Jaburo from North America to go across the ocean to fight in this one battle, then to go back to South America? So in in the in the movie, they only just kind of have like a thing where they mention the Battle of Odessa, and then uh, have the the white base crew stands on like the the on like the outside of the ship and like throws a wreath and like has a moment of silence for the Federation soldiers who died at, at Odessa, and then Amaro has, like, sadness about Matilda-san. Matilda-san. But in the, in, the, in the show, they actually participate in the battle. So the is, that manga where, is, follow- that where, is that where McCuvey M- M- is? Yeah, well, McCuvey was... Um, so, as we see later in this, Gar- they, um, I don't, they send down, like, three generals of four... Um, one of them is, you see a little bit of him, I forgot his name, but he plays a bigger part in the origin manga, I don't remember if he's in the show or not, but he's, leads, he's leading the attack on Jaburo. Mm-hmm. Garma was leading the invasion of North America, Mikuvi was leading the invasion of Europe, and somebody else who's never seen is leading the invasion in Asia. And the only part of the Asian front we really see is in, like, 8th MS team. Hmm. Because they're fighting kind of, like, in Vietnam around that, like, or, like, Southeast Asia. Right. But we mostly, in 0079, we mostly see, like, the other three. They don't really ever go to Asia. But uh, McCuvey was, uh, the biggest foothold that Zeon had were in, like, California, where Garmo was set up in movie, in the first movie and in the first handful of episodes. Um, and then McCuvey's set up in Europe. And then the Battle of Odessa is a big deal because that was the first time the Federation ever won a battle against Zeon. Um, like, a, like, a one at least a decisive big battle, and that started pushing Zeon off of Earth. Yeah. And then the Battle of Jaburo mm-hmm. happens right after, which is another Federation victory. I kind of like the idea that the White Base is not involved in Odessa as canon. I like that better. Because that means that the Federation won with... They still had mobile suits, but, like, they mostly had just, like, tanks, gun yeah. cannons, and planes. It, it helps... And they managed... It helps flesh out the it helps flesh out the the world and like makes it more believable with the with the future with the future of the franchise would be which is basically like pick a like pick a place the white base wasn't we're gonna put a Gundam in there and make a side story about it like I mean that's what that like the, we literally never hear anything about side four ever like side four we just hear in an offhand line that it was destroyed during the one during like you know the one week war that we see in episode five mm-hmm. And side four is is more, which is the the cat and the destruction of side four is the catalyst event for fucking Gundam Thunderbolt. All of that is about the uh, is about you know the Zeon group that is entrenched in the ruins of side four and the people who lived in side four trying to reclaim the what's left of their home. 
So they you had a whole narrative based off of that. It, it that's why I, Gundam is such a versatile franchise, and I love it. Yeah. So, in this, uh, so back to origin uh, in the middle. So right where the second movie ends, which is the Battle of Jaburo, and that's around like I want to say I can give you the exact episode. Uh, so that would be like around I want to say episode thirty, uh, where that would be in origin. Immediately we just go all the way back in time to 0068 and we start exploring Char and Sayla's backstory in greater detail than we've ever seen before. Because we learn what their backstory is. We learn who they really are. That's one of the main mysteries of, of 0079 is who the fuck is, are Char and Sayla. Uh, from the very, I think from like the second episode on, you know that they're like, Sayla kicks a gun at it. Well, no, like Sayla has him at Char at gunpoint. He was like, holy shit, that might be my sister. And she's, like, about to shoot him, and he rips off his mask, and she's like, wait, what? And he uses that opportunity to, like, kick a gun out of her hand. <laughs> and that, like... But it, I'm getting a little I'm getting a little tied up in how much I love 0079, <laughs> but we... I think this prequel does nothing but accentuate how good 0079 is and how good, double, how good the one-year war as a setting was. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say double seven, the one year war is a good conflict. No, it limit it killed more than half of the human population. It's <laughs> the one year war is a horrible tragedy of errors. Yeah. No, it's it's a it, the the Buff Clan conflict in Edeon is a is a tragedy of errors. This is a tragedy of of just a lot of people being very emotional and some people not having any feelings. Yeah. No. This is this is like this this is definitely way more focused than the conflict in than the conflict in in fucking in Edeon. People in Gundam, people have things to be gained. Period. This is. This is I don't know if origin if it's of origin specifically is or just if if the universe if just at least the one year war as a whole is very Shakespearean, but origin is very Shakespearean. They definitely like. I mean, you know, like the I would I would say like the the one year war and especially Char's whole Char's whole premise had had the Shakespearean potential in it, and then Origin absolutely brought it out and put it front and center. So before we get into this, do you want to go through the main players of this OVA? I mean, well, because we're to, because I didn't say it yet, but we were discussing the animated adaptation of the flashback arc. All of the of the manga of the same name. Yeah. So this is so it's 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 like it's essentially like six episodes, like six OVAs chronicling the events that lead immediately up to the first episode of the original Gundam Mobile Suit Gundam 0079 series. And I would not suggest watching this before 0079. Like you can if you want to watch it chronologically. I can see that kind of being interesting. But like all the characters that you, we see here. It doesn't have that like bitter taste that you're that you're supposed to get when you see them. I yeah, I, I definitely had that thought when we first watched the first few, um, and but then once once I got towards the middle of it, it, it I, I feel I, I did start to feel more like okay this 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 does like this like the gun gun origin once you get into the meat of it does kind of stand on its own even if every single thing it does is precluding to. Uh, Gundam, but then at the very end, when it just sort of like fucking Animal House style <laughs> freeze frames Stand on Stand by Me style freeze frames on each member of the white base and says what they're doing. Like if you didn't watch Double Seventy Nine, that's a bunch of gobbledygook to you. Um, like I think all the Amuro stuff has no payoff if you haven't seen Double Seventy Nine. Yes, I will say that. 
Um, it just the char stuff. I could see that still being a compelling story. Yes. Um, but but I, I think it's the addition of the Amaro plot line because there's three. There's like four major plot lines that go through Origin. Like I'd say, plot A is Char and Sela. Plot B is the is like the political machinations of the Zabi family, specifically Garen and Cassilia. Plot C is the yeah. Plot C is like the early development of mobile suits and how that all came to be, and then plot D is like Amaro. <laughs> plot D is like where's where, where's my dad? But uh, yeah, it's yeah. That, that, so that's kind of what. AKA stop ki- kicking Haro. <laughs> stop kicking Haro. Stop so it. Let's start. So let's let's. So do you want to do characters or mech designs first? We want to get out of the way. Uh, I think mech designs is a briefer conversation. Yeah, mech design. Yeah, mech design is a quicker conversation. Uh, wow, cool robot. All right, let me quickly share. Let me quickly share my screen. Okay. So that we can we can diddly diddly do this. Okay, moving my. Can, you can see my, 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 my There we go. Uh-huh. All right, M A H Q. I got it all over here. All right. So do you want to go through Fetties or Zeons first? Uh, let's go through the Fetties. That's probably slightly sh- shorter. Yeah. So we got we um the first thing we actually see is the in this OVA chronological we see the RTX seven uh, sixty five early gun tank, and yeah. I kind of like this janky little fucker. <laughs> I like I really like the the old ass like prototype gun tank. Yeah, it, it truly is. It truly is a tank with arms. Yeah, with with gun. I I do I I don't know. I I, I like the gun tank, and I think the gun tank doesn't get enough love. I. I think uh, the, I, I think the gun tank. I I do like the gun tank. It, it really is. The, it really is a good median point. It's like, it's proof. It's proof that like yeah, mechs are just tanks. Mechs are just tanks that for 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 reasons, for quote unquote reasons, and it depends on the the mecha anime. Sometimes usually none is the reason. Uh, they decide to bother programming bipedal movement into the fucking thing, <laughs> the hardest thing to recreate from nature. So then, uh, two mobile suits that look almost identical, but it, there's two variants of it. So it's the uh, the early the gun cannon first type. Where this... We see these old ass gun cannons. I've never seen a man more pissed off at something than fucking than fucking uh, Tem Ray at this goddamn thing. He was just like, "No, this isn't a mobile I... suit." <laughs> I like its little like shitty claw hands. <laughs> It looks like it honestly looks like an incomplete model, which I kind of like. It has the exposed ball joint on the uh, shoulders, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it it definitely looks it it looks like it looks like discarded concept art for like for like the like s- someone in Hollywood right now is like is getting paid to come up with the Hollywood Gundam movie concept art, and someone's drawing looks like this. Uh, let's see what the other one looks like. The uh, the first type. So is this one? Okay, this is just a different it's color. It's just gray, gray as opposed to white. The other one kind of looked like a test bed model. It had the Anaheim logo on it. So let's go to some Xeons. Yeah. So let's start with the um, with the uh, mobile worker uh, that we first see. And I like the... Because uh, that's actually called it to Double Zeta. That they... they um, in everyone's favorite Moon Moon episodes, there's a big colony builder is what they call it. And that they worship as a god. And it's like... And then it's like a really ancient mobile suit that was made in like the... You know build the colonies initially at the beginning of the universal century wow but i kind of like how they kind of made that legit yeah because no. like from from what i know from what i can from what i can surmise it i think a lot of the plot of origin is cobbled together from like 
because I know I haven't read them in a while, but I know the Gundam novel went into a the, like the trilogy of novels Tomino wrote that were based on a like an earlier draft had a lot more world building notes. Like it went into a lot more detail about new types, a lot more detail about the Battle of Loom and like the rise of the zombies and all that. Mm-hmm. Despite it having major plot differences, so I think. Yasu, I think Yoshikazu Yasuhiko also took a lot from the novels. I would love to read those. Uh, they're they're a trip. <laughs> they're a trip. They're they're they never go to Earth, which is weird. That's and, fine. Um, Rambaral sucks in them, but he survives. No. And the uh, monkey Amuro paw and, has curled. Amuro Kai and Hayato are also like soldiers from the get. Like they they are like Amuro is already like a, a Federation soldier. Oh. So there's like there's some differences. Uh, for the better or for worse, and famously, uh, spoiler for the novels, but uh, Amuro dies at the end. That's fine. And Sayla's pregnant with his kid, if I remember. Oof. Oof. Uh, so that we, this is the so the other colony builders are the uh, the the mobile workers, the MW zero one mobile worker. We see the you know they have a late they have the later one that, that eventually has two hands. Yeah, those big fuck hands. Has the big fuck hands, and then, uh... Yeah, then they have yeah. the ones that they're, that they're battling with, and they have the Rambaral colors and the MASH colors. It, it's it's cool. Uh, from there, we have the YMS WAF, which was the kind of the, the earliest mobile suit, I think, developed. Like, that looks like a, a pre-Zaku. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, it's a, Z- a Zaku Zero. Very much. Uh, which then they roll out the Bugu, as we see in episode four, or the Bugu, I think. Uh, yeah! That, which, I have that. Uh, which which uh, the Bugu looks a little more like a Zaku. It has kind of the, um, the ten- it has like the fucking, ho- like the tubes on it. Yeah, the tubes and the shoulders. Fuck yeah. It has, it, it, it's starting to resemble a Zaku one. And then eventually we start getting the the design from the the origin version of the Zaku one, which just I I, I think this is where I think we can we can talk about just how good the CGI in this is because that's a hot topic in anime these days is people using CGI and I think Unicorn and Origin were fucking awesome with their use of it. Yeah, definitely. They they really. Like they they really got got a knack for, like, just like the lighting and shading of it, and like text and like the, not overdoing textures, and like f- fitting it with the specific like, f- fitting it with their digital coloring. Oh, that's cool! And this it has a tab. This is original Zaku two and the origin Zaku two. That's just fucking, <laughs> like. Modern Homestar and Storybook Homestar, fucking. <laughs> D- don't be, don't don't be mean to Kunio Okawara. Oh my god, that's cute. I love it. And uh, so then we got that's the classic Zaku too. There's a couple Zaku variants that I'm not going to go into just because it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. They're just Zaku variants. There's a million of them. But uh, and we can we I'm sure we're gonna have a whole episode. Where we can just talk about how how versatile of a design the Zaku is and how many things you can do with it. If we just talk about GMs and Zaku's, hell yeah! So those are the mech designs. Uh, overall, they're pretty good. Uh, parent, Hajime Kataoki, who has been you know a mainstay of Gundam design since Zeta, has been a part of this, all, as well as um, returning Gundam collabor- uh, Gundam mech designers from Stardust Memory, Eighth MS Team, and Seed. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, as much as I hate Seed, and I usually do, I dislike a majority of the Seed designs, these are all pretty good. Yeah, so I, I, don't I, I, I any, think like anything egregious. Yeah, because like I, I, you know, the thing with Seed, the, the thing with Seed was like there, I think there was nothing inherent. There was nothing inherent in like the core art style of the mech design, but it really just suffered from like, hey, like it, what if we like what if we just piled a bunch of shit on this mech? Yeah. What if there's too much shit on this mech? What if there's too many colors and too much shit on this mech? That sounds great. Cause like the the good like I want I want a good I want a seed goof for my goof troop. Those things slap. Um, but all the yeah. Gundams, I'm just like eh. So then we have uh, let's we have the characters. So we're, we're gonna start with our with our main boy, the blonde bastard, uh, Chad Asnable. Uh, does this does so? I'm gonna add, just because a lot of these characters are characters that we're already familiar with from 0079. Every character is. Uh-huh. There's a couple new additions like the new zombie brother, the new brother, the new brother Sasro. God, this the yeah, the the secret the secret zombie that they don't speak of. And we finally meet uh, Professor uh, Minovsky. We finally meet him in canon. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if, like, I was wondering if there was ever any kind of like, like, is this just the first time anybody's ever even fucking drawn him? There's there was a manga called Stampede uh. that has never been translated, but that one apparently has, is dubiously canon because it like tries to um state like what year AD the Universal Century is, and it's like twenty seventy something. Oh, I see. I always like I always thought that the first year of the Universal Century was like twenty one hundred, so it's like twenty one seventy nine, something like that. Yeah, that's how I always. Who could say? That's how I always kind of chose to accept it. I'm gonna bring up a lot of my head cannons I have in this because I, I that's just I can't the, not do that. The Gundam Wiki is just gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, I, I have problems with the fact that the Gundam Wiki does not accept origin as canon and that it has like Rambaral parentheses origin. That's so buck fucking wild. Like what like who hurt them? Like <laughs> Well no, because it's like there are there are some continuity discrepancies between like this and like some flavor text in the show. Yeah, of, and... of course, but like this clear like that's not how can like mm-hmm. canon doesn't work how they think canon works. Canon is a communal agreement. Because no matter so how I, I no was, matter how hard in your franchise you try to make world building continuity stick, there's gonna sorry be Gundam fu- Wiki, I have disagreements. There's gonna there's gonna be fuck ups, but it's like this one, like th- this one is good. Like look, what what it comes down to is which ones are good. You make them fit. Yeah, like to me, the way I accept Gundam canon is that the number one top tier canon is a- anything animated is canon. And then below that is, like, manga novel canon, where it is canon as long as it is not immediately, like, as long as it is not conflicting with anything that's animated. And then video games are the lowest tier of canon. Yeah, as, and, even, and even, with, even with conflictions, it's like, as long as it's nothing, like, horribly egregious. Like once again, the the even though they're, I don't I haven't read them because they're not in English, but the Gundam Unicorn novels do have a lot of differences. Um, with the OVAs, so, but there is a lot of you know once again like the um, like the Tomino penned novels have a lot of more additional not a lot more additional fluff about the world and character backstories. I still consider those canon, but the events that take place, I see are the ones that were animated in front of us. Yeah. So even though the origin manga may conflict with with information later given to us in Zeta and stuff, at least the flashback arc of origin is canon. 
So that's that's the way I accept Star like so like I guess I get that from Star Wars canon where they were like mm-hmm. anything that was filmed or or like anything animated filmed or otherwise took precedent over anything that was written. Yeah, yeah, I I, so, I, I, I see that. I agree with that. But uh, to loop it back to our character discussion or to start our character discussion. <laughs> Uh, does so? What? How does this make you feel about Char? Because we well, Char is a great character, and I've loved. I, I would even consider saying Char is one of my favorite all-time literary characters. Char is an amazing. Char is an amazing character. Char is. I honestly like as much of a joke as it ended up being. As much of a joke as it always was for 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 me. Um, and I think I've have I mentioned have have we mentioned the, the our our. Although the 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 non-existent Gundam abridged jokes we make for the Gundam well, I mean, abridged, we can, we can talk things. about them because they're funny. That we're we're they're because they're funny, and when I, if somebody can more talented than us um, can make it, that would be great. Um, but like the, the the only reason I ever wanted to make it was because my one and only idea that I needed to do was that each each phase of Char's life is a different H. John Benjamin role. And the <laughs> the more Gundam I watch, the more Char I watch, like the more it just fits. Like, like teen, like upstart young military ace pilot teen Char is Archer, um, and it's like 079 Char is Archer, and then it goes into Zeta Char where he has to like be a dad essentially, and he's Bob from Bob's Burgers, and then Char's counterattack Char is extremely jaded Coach McGurk. Um, and what do I do? This is this is a prison, Brendan. <laughs> don't don't be like me, Amaro. Don't be like me, Amaro. Don't be like me, Camille. <laughs> uh, um, but 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 no, yeah. The like, jokes write themselves at that point. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the reason. Like they write themselves. Um, but so Char is Char. Char I think Charles is a Shakespearean dumbass. He's a Shakespearean dumbass, and and not just in the, not just in the way that not just in the way he fucks over his own life and everybody around him for petty revenge, but also in the fact that like he becomes entrenched in his own like he he doesn't necessarily lose the plot, but like it just like he he I think his plan his plans somehow never get away from him in the way that it, it, you, you, it usually does when shit hits the fan the way Char's ideas like always Char- do. But, but he does take things way too fucking far, and his ideas are buck wild, and he, he commits his life so earnestly to his, to his schemes that, like, he just, it, like, he, he is Char Aznable. Like, it's such an identity. It's such a weird identity. It's not even an identity crisis because. Oh my god! I can't wait for you to get into Zeta. <laughs> it's not. An, yeah, that's the thing. Like even even back in Zeta, he's still doing this shit of like not. Uh, he is whoever he needs to be in this moment, and it's not a it's not a scheme so much as it is just something he needs to do and resolves himself to do, and then he does it. Like cast like Castfall is gone. The old Char Aznable he fucking murdered to take his life is gone. He is Char Edward Mass. Eduardo Mass is gone. <laughs> Eduardo Mass was fucking left as soon as he came. Arguably, that I think arguably that was the one part he did play and never fully believed in. Like the this like one thing that I like so to briefly recap over Char's arc through 0079 is that. 
Char is this weird, flippant military commander who doesn't really take anything seriously. And everyone's afraid of him because he's the Red Baron, essentially. Yeah, he killed a ton of people at Loom. He's the ace. He's the ace pilot. He's the Red Comet. He's the Red Comet. So Char eventually follows the White Base into er- onto Earth, where he meets up with his old buddy Garma, who is the head of the uh, North American Zeon invasion. And, and, and uh, the, the, the like Emperor Zabi's son favorite son saw so, yeah the the son of the so- of the grand sovereign degwin the precious baby boy of degwin his favorite kid the only the only attractive zombie Dude, like imagine like imagine a ja- imagine that james von that james bond villain who pets his cat it's it's, it's his son instead don't worry about it it's it's his 20 year old son <laughs> so um char then in dirt well, in battle with the white base and garma is like kind of like Garma's kind of like arrogant, as equally arrogant as he is naive, mm-hmm. and Char just like quickly betrays him and says this cryptic line of like, "Oh, like blame this on the misfortune of your birth," and like kills Gar and like get, lets Garma just get killed. Oh yeah. And uh, or oh, as, I guess at that point we, d- I guess at that point, if you're watching 0079 for the first time, you don't fucking know why he says that. You don't. And then Char is then next seen uh, during Gar- during Garma's funeral speech where Garen gives the the you know Zig Zeon speech and uh Char is like drinking in a bar <laughs> and he gets picked up by some of Cassilia's guys and he vanishes from the show for like the next like 15 episodes Char then comes back when they when they get to Jaburo cuz then at that point Rambaral happens and they fight the Black Tri-Stars and then they're you know dealing with Jaburo and all the stuff with Miharu like all that happens and Char's not even there Char next shows up at the um, Battle of Jaburo in, like, the Zegok, the little thing that, like, running around <laughs> has the claws. <laughs> little stampy feet. It has the little stampy feet. And uh, at that point, when they're exploring in the caverns, like, when the kid, uh, um, I think the kids are uh, captured by Zeon, and they're, like, they find the, like, how the kids manage to, like, save all the GMs. The, yeah, the, those three toddlers win the one-year war for them. <laughs> How that happens? Yeah, listen, and, listen uh, to like, I, I bring that up. Li- like, listen to literally our very first episode. Fucking or don't. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at that point, the, I think everyone's looking for the kids, and like Mirai and Sela are like back to back, and then Sela sees Char, and she's like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, I I ran into you at side seven, and as we see in this, they had a run in a couple weird run-ins before, mm-hmm. and he's just like get out of here like i don't know i can't understand why you joined the federation and she's like oh my god you're my brother and he's like artesia would never join the federal the federal forces why the fuck are you doing this like get out of here leave the war just just don't just get out of here and then they see each other again on te- in the ruins of texas colony in the third movie where sayla he gives like it this is when like the white base stops trusting sayla because char like gives her, like, a shitload of money to try to get her to, like, not to go away, and she's like, what happened to you? And he's like, I'm Char Asimble, I've, I, I, I've abandoned my past, I'm no longer Kasval Daikun. Yeah. And this is when he's, like, all really into, he's really into Lala. Mm-hmm. Like, his Char is, like, obsessed with Lala, and then Amuro accidentally kills Lala, and, uh, that's when Amuro and Char's rivalry becomes personal. And at that point, then, you know, Char and Sayla have one last meeting where then Char kind of changes it. Because I think after Garma died, Char was really shook. Like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Because he doesn't really kill another zombie until, like, exact last episode when he blows Cassilia's head off with a rocket launcher. Yeah, because as we... So I think he changed his mind. Yeah, because, like, 
because the, the, you really when you really think about it, especially after watching Origin, the show we're actually talking about, uh, <laughs> um, he he the Gundam the Origin is basically Char putting all of the pieces in place, and then 0079 is him finally pulling the trigger, and the first trigger he pulls is Garma. But like what he didn't expect while he was setting up those pieces was for Garma to like in endear himself so much and it's like char char can't just blow off garma he's fucking garma zabi like he knows he has to play this part and then as i said earlier he is the part now and that fucks with him like because because like who you am could I? argue whether char whether char ever cared about garma or not i i think char had very complicated feelings about garma i think i think char you know, I, I haven't seen Char's counterattack, uh, but I think however long Char lives, he will never know how he feels about Garma. Probably. And it, it's like... It, it's funny, because Char only kills two zombies. He kills Garma, and effectively, like, emotionally kills Degwin, I guess, by, by killing Garma. Yeah. And, which is the second time Char made the one... The third time Char made the one-year war worse, personally. And um, and then uh, he kills Cassilia at the end because I think at that moment he was just like, "Wait, I can actually actualize something in my life and see something to completion." Hey, wait a minute! Because I gotta, Char's I, a mess. I got a jetpack and a rocket launcher. This is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Like Char's kind of looks at his circumstances. He's like, "I got a rocket launcher and a jetpack and the perfect opportunity to fucking kill Cassilia. I think to, I should do this to kill the woman who possibly molested me." Is a child. Oh God! No, no, that was one of my favorite jokes you made. Was uh, just you were like Cassilia pins Char to a couch after cha- after handcuffing him. Char, baby Char, just says, "One day I'm gonna blow your head off with a rocket launcher. It's gonna be sick." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure, God. whatever, kid. Oh my God. Um, I'm so sorry I'm to lo- anyone listening to this who hasn't seen Devil Seventy Nine or Gundam Origin. This is a mess. Um, this is a mess. But it's it's a mess we need to talk about because if anyone has context, they are they are with us in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like honestly, if you want context, if any of this sounds juicy, if you want to, if you want me to spill the Gundam tea, please. I, I think on Comic Walker they have all of Origin the manga. Retra- I think with a different translation, all in color scanned. I think it's all done. Oh, sick! So you can just read that, and then you get 0079 and this in one fell swoop. Yeah, and, and arguably, arguably the the arguably the best version of the beginning of the Gundam franchise. Yeah. So like right now, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> Just pause. Go do that. Get back to us whenever you want. Listen to all our other episodes, please. You're doing yourself a disservice by not getting at least 0079 and Origin by like that. It's it's just such a good story. It's good. Yeah. Like regardless if you don't like sci-fi or the, mecha, it's just a good story. The thing like cuz the 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 thing that I the thing that I brought up uh at some point was just like you know like this this doesn't necessarily like th- there are wow cool robot moments like that. I'll I'll never fucking accuse I'll never fucking give Sunrise the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to sell fucking toys. But um model kits, douche, model kits. In in this in this instance, in this specific Gundam installment, I will say, like, the story is king. Um, and, like, the the development of the mobile suits and the mobile suit warfare is only really most heavy in the second half. But even then, like, 
look, this show's called Noble Suit Gundam. You know what? You know what mech isn't in this fucking show except for a schematic on Amuro's wall that the government removes from his person as soon as they know he has it? Fucking Gundam. Gundam, yeah, Gundam ain't this... here. Gundam, Gundam checked out. Gundam's in his trailer. Yeah, the the Gundam legit ha- is not operational yet. And like, to just to put into context, um, the one, the first, like the uh, Char's attack on Side Seven at the beginning of um, 0079 happens in early September. This OVA ends in late January. Phew. So it's like that's that's the only amount of time that's and like. It, it ends immediately, like, if you go by the post credit scene, that's literally, like, right where 0079 opens. Yeah. So, but has, does 0079 change your opinion of Char at all, as a character? Because for me, it actually contextualized Char in a way that I, on this specific viewing, where I think the entire, everything with Char, all the mess he is in Char's counterattack, and as as, like, all the recovery he was making as Quattro, like, actually forming bonds and relationships with people. Yeah. But, which all, which then tragically, you know, Char's counterattack. I think it all stems from the fact that Char never got over the fact that he lost his mother. Oh, 100%. That's just, that contextualizes everything. It's like, that that contextualizes all of Char's fucked up relationships. Yeah, because, like, argue, arguably he never... You know what, That that is something that I that I want to try to work through here live. Like, he... He, like, obviously he, he cares about his mother, but it's like... His... I mean, okay, I guess the Zabi family also fucked up, fuck, like, fucked over his mother like that, but it, it just, like, it all... It, it always... I feel like it's always framed like, oh, the Zabi family is getting their comeuppance for what they did to... Zeon Daikun. Zeon Daikun. But, like, I guess it's more like the whole family, but it's like, I think Charred... If the zombies murdered Char's dad and and the rest of the family was somehow just not untouched, like it'd probably be a very different life. Char probably would get over it. <laughs> I I honestly don't think Char really honestly cares about Zeon Daikun's teachings or anything until like later on in Zeta. Yeah, because like, like I, Char doesn't legitimately care about that until like way later. Until, and even then, until I don't know f- how much he actually cares. Until until he can until he has something to gain from it. Until he until he sees it. Until it can do him material good. I I would say that Char by by Zeta has more altruistic goals. Sure, more big picture stuff. Because once again, I feel that Char like that's something I was disappointed about with the uh, the manga Char's deleted affair. That they didn't go into as much as I wanted them to was that Char immediately after 0079 it must be having a crazy identity crisis where he's like I based my entire life and my entire purpose into like killing like one specific group of people and now that I have what the fuck now yeah um like I I, I, I quoted this line at you that he says towards the end of the OVA and it just was so encapsulating to me of like like the the bullshit that he believes in him of the bullshit that he believes in in this charasnable identity he's living in of just like of of just like he's, he's oh when Dazzle gives him the ship Dazzle promotes him and gives him a ship and but he doesn't like he and his his crew expects him to captain it and he's like no 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 I don't want to be a captain he's like no matter how good the ship I have no wish to be chained down by it I have never once wished to become a fine sailor such as yourselves I'm a warrior of the cosmos a knight who races at will across the heavens faster than any ship 
I'm like, and I'm just staring at this motherfucker. Like, did you just dead ass say this to this people and pretend like you mean it? it do, are you? Do you think this is how real people talk? Like, what the fuck is your problem, my man? Like, you're so full it, of shit. <laughs> and that works because that that it helps build the myth of Char that everybody talks about. He's literally fucking marketing himself. He's his he own is. hype man. Char is a fucking genius. <laughs> He is a genius at bullshit. He's a he's so, he's he's Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. <laughs> and Char, you, um, Char Asnable is the is Char Asnable is the diamond encrusted Furby. <laughs> so, do you want to move on to Sela? Um, the character that gets the rawest deal in the entire Universal Century, like dead ass the entire Universal Century for like so many reasons, that, so many reasons that are both like narrative and me- and meta textual production wise and just like it's all a shit show like so Sayla is a major major character in 0079 one of the best characters and she vanishes from the franchise completely aside from a couple cameos and just because I think it was either the uh, the cost of her voice actress of her seiyuu or the fact that I think her seiyuu was like unavailable due to like either health reasons or like having a or like raising a family right and because voice acting is or is taking a lot more seriously in Japan, at least in terms of like legacy roles, I don't think Tomino wanted to recast anybody. Yeah, because he once again she voices Cheryl in Edeon. Hmm. Like directly after that's Sayla's voice actress, <laughs> original one. There's a new voice actress here, even though Shuichi Ikeda reprises his role as Char, huh. and so does Toru Furuya as Amuro. Like aside from the second episode onward, Shuichi Ikeda is voicing Char. Baby Char is somebody else, is, is like some lady, and then um, Toru Furia even voices baby, like, kid Amuro with <laughs> Haro and his stupid shorts. It's fucking hysterical, honestly. And the fact that Toru Furia sounds exactly the same 40 fucking years later. <laughs> that's, fuck it, that's, that's just, ta- that's talent, baby, it's what that is. Like, Shuichi Ikeda is, like, inseparable from Char to the point where I hear Shuichi Ikeda in anything else, and I immediately go, shut up, Char! Yeah, right. Uh, didn't, or wasn't like, there, like, a big, like, wasn't there, like, a big to-do, like, I, we must have gone over this when we first, when we first did the first Origin episode, but weren't they gonna recast Char, and, like, the entire Japanese Gundam fan base was, like, pointed a gun at Sunrise and went, no, you're not. I mean, I would believe it. <laughs> I could have, I, I could have, I could have sworn you said something along those lines. Um, I might be wrong. Um, Hey douchebag us uh, if I'm wrong. Yeah, hey douchebag us if we got that wrong. And also, fun fact, I might cut this, but this is a fun little bit of tit tidbit of trivia that you might not remember. But uh, one of my favorite things is whenever I watch Sailor Moon, I and I Mamoru shows up and he's all like, "I'm so cool, I'm tuxedo mask." I say, "Shut the fuck up, Mamoru." Yep. It's also Toru Furuya, which is also a Super Robot Wars in joke. Where anytime Evangelion and Gundam are in the same game, Amuro and Misato will flirt with each other because Misato is voiced by Sailor Moon. Uh, yes, that's adorable, and I, I, I do remember that, and I share it whenever possible with everyone. Everyone who- Because that's a very, it's... very good Seiyu in-joke. God, that's so fucking good. I love Seiyu in-jokes. But anytime, like, Gundam has ruined Sailor Moon for me, because anytime Tuxedo Mask shows up, I'm just like, shut up, Amuro! <laughs> it's like how for some reason, um, uh, I, I'm blanking on the actress's name, the voice actress's name, but the actor is like, uh, uh, Greg Sipes. Who uh, they they voiced Beast Boy and Terra in the Teen Titans cartoon, and then anytime the two of them are in a show together, they are usually like they are usually shipped like in the show, like in the writing, and it's really, that's funny. It's, it's strange. 
So, uh, but say La Mass. Artesia Daikun. Uh, she only has two names. Yeah, Char has like six. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this this is her tragedy, honestly. It's like, because like you know, she she it focuses on Char for a while, and then it focuses on Amro for a little bit, and like the rest of the war and Rambaral and stuff, and then towards the end of the OVA, it does come back to her, and it comes back to her just in time. Like it it we only ever see Sayla when she's having a bad fucking time. Honestly. Oh, yeah. She was doing There's good a for a of... minute. She like she went she like she she, she became a doctor and she's helping people and then literally like the camera cuts back to her and everybody she cares about starts dying again. Yeah. And it, you and I kind of like how it contextualized that's why it contextualizes Sayla in the first couple episodes where she's this like mysterious badass lady who's just not to be fucked with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. When like the when when she goes back to Texas Colony to like see her to see one of her foster dads, um, I, both of them, I guess, um, and like some fucking like weird like punk bandits attack the town or whatever for reasons, I guess. I think because it was just a bunch of like hooligans who were like, let's go fucking uh, fuck up these guys because we we hear that there's. Because, you know, because of Char Asnable and Char and the Asnable family are there, they're like, oh, these guys are fucking Zeon sympathizer, let's fucking kill them. Ah, oh, I see. And then, like, yeah, and Sayla... <laughs> like, Sayla deadass just snaps. She snaps so hard I thought she was gonna have a fucking new type moment. Um, and arguably well, she... Well, Sayla is a new type, probably. Ar- arguably she did because she immediately pulls out a rifle and headshots a man through his helmet while he's on a vehicle. Yeah, that's some new type shit. Like, I, th- and like that was like in a in a franchise in a franchise that constantly plays the fucking balancing act of wow, cool robot versus war story. That was the most legitimate bat like rawest badass moment. Like fuck the rest of this super sad, well written tragedy. That shit goes. Ho- Sayla go horde. Yeah, Sayla's the best. She's great in this, and you really, you really, you literally see her grow, just and you see her turn into the person she is in 0079. Just one shot at a man, Devin, I still can't get over it! I mean, the first thing Sayla does is slap Kai in the face, and it's great. Oh, God. Yo, Kai gets the absolute shit beat out of him. Kai, Kai... <laughs> we'll the... get to Kai. Fuck, okay. Alright, no, you're We'll right. get to Kai. I gotta say I'm excited it. to talk about... for the. I, I'm very excited to talk about the Amuro stuff, most of all. The Gund- like, the Gundam fandom... The Gundam fans listening to this are, like, are, like, right now. They're like, oh, fucking... They're gonna get into... They're gonna get into Kai. We're gonna get into the, the secret protagonist of Mobile Suit Gundam, is that, Kai Shida. Is that just us, or does the rest... Do, does the rest of the Gundam fan base also admit that Kai is kind of a shithead? Or is it literally I mean, just I think- us? I don't know because I, I I know that there was a lot of Kai shit posting on like back when in like the Gundam people I interacted with on Tumblr. Okay, so that's okay. Then it's probably it's probably a there's thing. a lot of Kai shit posting. Is Kai the is Kai the Yamcha of Gundam? Kind of. Also because also because Kai shows up more than Sayla does. Kai's a major character, a somewhat major character in Zeta, and even comes back in Unicorn. Ugh. Because Kai becomes like a badass investigative reporter after the One Year War. Yeah, I would watch. I would watch that like detective procedural show of like Kai being a reporter and solving mysteries. I yeah. I want, but I'm about to go off on a tangent about something I really want. But we'll get to that later because I'll be screaming. I'll be unable to control myself screaming about it when we get to the end. Uh huh. 
so Sayla just she she just I think she just wants her family back. Her her story is just about loss, and it, it's it's just about loss and things that are completely out of your control, and why life can sometimes just be awful. And it's and and it's the worst part. Like like yeah, like say like Sayla does her best to move on, but like her brother does not. And I think I think as much as as much as Char likes to likes to think that like what like he because like that's the whole reason he ran away right was because like i'm about to do some fuck shit and i don't want you involved but it's like what you are doing involves the fucking solar system including your sister like you are moving you are trying to commit political assassination in the midst of a war and you think that's just not gonna affect the one person you claim to care about he literally has that line where he, he has to take out the colony that he presumes she is most likely to be on, and he basically just goes like, "I hope she wasn't on that." <laughs> like yeah. he paints poetic, he paints poetic about it in his own head. But that's what it comes down to: is is like, "I hope Sailor wasn't on that," but fuck it. So from there, let's talk about Ron Baral, because he's like your favorite character in Gundam. He's this, he's like everybody's favorite, like somewhat minor character. Like he's right on the board on the verge of being a major... He has, he has more... He has actually a ma- more major character than Garma in 0079. Yeah. Like the whole Ramba Rawl arc is where I think you really started jamming with Gundam. I, I, I really did, because I, I... I'm I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm just a sucker for... for I, I want to say anti-heroes, but like not in the not in the traditional sense, because he's not even necessarily an anti-hero. I just... He's just self... He's self-aware in a way that I appreciate. I love people who like... I love... I love people who like have to who have to be agents of conflict, but they are very aware of it, be it like I'm just doing business or it's just like this is just how it is or just it's like I'm just following orders just, like that kind of thing. Uh, not even necessarily like I'm just following orders is the one I like the least. Uh <laughs> well it's it's let's less about like well what what would it be for 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 Rambaral cuz I know that Dazzle appoints him to go avenge Garma and destroy the white base. I think for Rambaral, I think it's that relatable. I think I think it's one of the more I think it's a very subtle relatable kind of feeling of of just like Rambaral is that is the eternal mood of when when you're trying to figure out what store to shop at and they've all indirectly killed people or support people that do and you just shrug and go there's no ethical consumption under capitalism and you go into the fucking walmart yeah that's rambaral that i also think one thing that makes rambaral so cool as a character especially in the time of when 0079 first came out is that he is an antagonist who is legitimately like an honorable and like like an honorable guy yeah, he he is a samurai, unlike the buff clan. Ra- unlike the fucking buff clan. Um, but and I think I want Rambaral to beat up GJ. And oh fuck, yeah, you'd beat him to death. Um, <laughs> it would be it would it would ex- it would fuck man. And 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 honestly, like and and you could say, and you could say that like I'm I'm just making excuses for an aesthetically cool character who at the end of the day is still a fascist. But I would argue like fucking so is. Fucking it, every every character enlisted in the millet and in either side, the, the the plot twist to 0079 is that it's just two fascists fighting each other. Um, yeah, the, the Federation and Zeon are 
either inherently evil. It's the the like. But I'd say the only character that's inherently evil in 0079 is Garen Zabi. Yeah, and maybe um, Cassilia. Cass- yeah. Uh, Cassilia's evil, but less than Garen. Cassilia, Cassilia is. Cassilia is evil but like way but like not megalomaniacal like um she's not you even you you ta- you did the like <laughs> dozzle like do- uh dagwin is talking to garen and dagwin's just like garen we can't beat the earth federation in a war and he's like the earth can't fight a war if they're all dead yeah that's literally what he does that's his plan as as soon as they have that conversation he probably comes up with operation british but so like um Rambaral, uh, Gundam, the, the, these, these origin episodes do such a, do, do such a good picture to, like, show you how he got to, like, the, the honorable but also jaded figure that he is, um, in the core series, like, he, he, he is, spe- like, he, he are, like, he has nothing but good intentions, he, he, like, he is opposed, he's opposed to the zombies, he's opposed to the Federation, he, He's just trying to do right by his lo- and like, whatever rubric you judge that on. And I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but the guys in the bar are also like Cozen and Clamp are his dudes who were serving with him in 0079. Yeah, and so, die, so, so even, even but when it's, he... His loyalty is not to Zeon, his loyalty is to his men. Yeah, and and you see him you see him struggle with that even like bef- like before the colony before the colony drop. Like when when they have that when they already have a really strong upper hand and he's just he's the first one to be like this isn't a fucking battle we're just going around slaughtering earth colonies um and he like he ducks out and it's like i don't know the specific circumstances of how they get him back but like once he comes back he's he tries his best to have some modicum of control over the situation. Like he gets all his old crew back, and he's just he's doing things. Hamon's with him. Yeah, he he's doing things his own way, um, and he doesn't like he doesn't he he holds he harbors he harbors no ill will towards Amuro whatsoever. Like the scene of I think one of the best scenes in 0079 is when Amuro gets too sad, buries the Gundam somehow in sand, and. <laughs> Walks away and meets Rambaral. I really like, want, like, I really, Mexican I, bar. I really want there to be like a cut, like a cut for time storyboard sequence of the Gundam burying itself in sand, <laughs> and then Amuro like kicking the top, the sand the, off the, like the yeah. top of its head, burying like Jesus, the V fin. Jesus Christ! Um, but like, I don't. Like, Rambaral, he he doesn't commit war crimes. <laughs> yeah, he, he he does a lot of shit. He doesn't commit war crimes. But also, he, he's a good—he's a good man thrown into really terrible situations, and then he blows himself up with a grenade. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I think that's that's one of the—I think Ron Baral is a very important piece of 0079, despite him not really contributing all that much to the plot. I think. Because, uh, like, in the grand scheme of things, Ron Baral was just kind of like bad guy boss number two. But in the terms of, you know, meta text and in terms of, like, writing anime, period, Rambo Rall, they go out of their way to humanize him, give him good traits, show him to be a, a loyal to his soldiers and be a man of humor and a man and, like, a sensitive guy. 
and yet he's an antagonist. He's not evil, he's just on the other side of this conflict. The only reason him and Amaro are actually interacting or fighting and trying to kill each other at all is completely impersonal, That's com- and it's both completely out of either of their control. Yeah, and it's... it's... fuck. Yeah, and the... 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 Gundam Gundam Origins gives him so much. I I will say that like, well no, honestly cuz even then like and and again like th- there's so much poten- th- th- there's so much potential in in him that Gundam Origins sees through because they they even give him the the extra sto- flavor text in 0079 of like he the Rawl family knew the knew this new fucking yeah, di- the Rawl Rall- because Ron Baral almost takes out the white base. He gets on board it with his dudes. And then he, like, he points a gun at Sayla and he immediately recognizes her when we get that awesome callback shot in this to her flashback. Yeah. Which I think is really, really heartwarming that she remembers that. God. And it's, like, uh, the brief time she spent with Ron Baral. Yeah, no, and, and he, it, he rescued her cat. He rescued her cat, so and she remembers that. And it's... And so that's when you start, because that's the first glimpse you get into, like, wait, who the fuck is Sayla? Like, what? Yep. That's, and then you, they bring up, like, that's another difference between, like, the show and Origin, is they said that, like, Sayla mentions that Jean Baral was a very nice and kind man who treated them well. (laughs) I, I think Sayla was young and Jean Baral probably was nice to her. I think Jim Baral was nice to Sela. I just it, like I there's the, the like Jim Baral shows up in like ha, in like a still image flashback mm-hmm. in 0079 and he's like playing with Char and say with uh with Casval and Artesia and our like Sela or same name like Sela Artesia is like running to him and Char's like hanging out of a tree and our friend Arcade I sent the image Arcade was just like that that's just Jim Baral yelling at 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 Casval about why Artesia's better than him. God, <laughs> look look how well behaved she is. She isn't climbing in a tree like an animal. God, there's there's a fucking there's a fucking AU where where instead of like fucking or not instead of but like after trying to become a doctor and then the, the events of Double Seventy Nine happened instead of Char, instead of instead of Char having like an epiphany and and reintroducing himself to his father's teachings I want the AU where while Char's off having identity crisis Sela goes fucking deep into her father's philosophies and fucking comes up trying to fucking tell everyone how weighed down they are by Earth's gravity and shit we're Sailor's yeah. We're Sailor's counterattack. I would love just a short manga about Sailor and Char's last time seeing each other ever. Like I would, I I have to think that Sailor had something to say when Char on TV is like, "I'm gonna blow up the Earth, guys." Like I want to say that Sailor had something to say about that. Something to Sailor. So we we covered we covered some Rambaral. So I because um do you want to go through the zombies or do you, or do you want to save them for when we get to them? Um, I I think I mean who who else would you who else would you do next? I I was gonna then I was gonna finish up with Amaro. Okay, yeah, we can we can do Amaro. Amaro is pretty quick. Uh, Amaro is so, mostly in the second half of this. Amaro is mostly in the second half of this. We see glimpses of Amaro in episodes two and three. Uh, and then Amaro has more of a direct um, presence in, in the back half. 
But, uh... I really love seeing Amuro's life pre-Gundam, because what we see, we see Amuro, like, when we first see him, it's Frau going to his house to tell him that, Amuro, you need to fucking evacuate, we're under attack. Yeah, for, and and honestly, like, because this, I, I, only, I only saw up to the, the third, like, the, the, the third OVA, um, and th- this was my first time seeing the, the back half, and so... It, it, it really was nice to see that, like, how well, again, how well 007, like, everything 0079 tells you without telling you, like, it, we get such a brief snippet into Amaro's life and personality before the One Year War, but every, like, like, every, a hundred percent of the shit that happened in in origin with Amro, I was like, oh yeah, no, this all makes sense. Like none none of this mm-hmm. is surprising news to me. Like the, the it's it's all telegraphed perfectly in the original series without ever explicitly stating it or showing it. Like the, the like the, the way that Amro is just holed up in his room in his goddamn underwear when while his while his friend who is a girl comes to visit him and try to like try to give him food and shit and his dad's just gone and he he cares but he also doesn't really care cuz he's just so fucking used to it and like how he likes it better when his dad's not there cuz at least his dad isn't yelling at him yeah and how like he te- like he technically knows everyone on the white base cuz they're his classmates but he's also not fucking friends with any of them um but like, like Kai, like Kai and Hayato and Frau seem to know each other. Like Kai is the class delinquent. Hayato is like the jock who always is go- need, who's always busy going to judo practice. Yeah, fucking Daisen Satsuro Oshi. Um Hayato and Musashi will be friends. <laughs> They'd be rivals. God. Um. But but yeah, like I, I I loved this a lot. And but, but honestly, one, one thing that. One thing that one thing that I did like seeing that was a little bit like, not necessarily like almost heartwarming was just like, double seventy nine definitely informs you that like, yeah, Tem Ray is a shit dad and like is not there for his son, but I I do think that this is this is definitely like an older. Old, this is definitely an old-fashioned man's idea of what happens to a son and a father when there is not a mother in the picture. This is traditional gender roles run amok because there's there's no like where's his mom? There's no one to cook the food and there's no one to clean the house and they're two they're just two men being men so obviously they're the whole place is gonna be a mess and they're not gonna know how to emotion well, at well, each other. We do see Amuro's mom in the show. I know. I just mean like in terms of in terms of their yeah. living situation. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think in the show they say that the Amaro's parents got divorced because Amaro's father <clears throat> was having an affair. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, his yeah. father was having but, an affair. But I, I, I do like that Origins. I do like that Origins like paints both of them as being kind of like too clueless to make this work. Like I, I like, t- like I, I don't want to say that Tem Ray tries, but Tem Ray thinks he's trying. Um, I also think Temray is also maybe as like emotionally like stunted as Amaro is. Yeah, like they 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 definitely they, they definitely both just have no fucking clue how to actually speak to each other and it's Like if if Amaro's dad didn't die inside 6 in that in that one episode where he comes back, I don't know if Amaro ever talked to him again. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably not. I do kind of like the idea that he died there, mostly just because it's such a weird, dark non-sequitur. I mean, honestly, it was such a weird, dark non-sequitur, even if he lived, so that's just icing on the cake. When his dad shows up and he's, like, babbling like a lunatic from space craziness? Yeah, the, like, the man, the man who- Oxygen deprivation syndrome? The man who invented the fucking Gundam, and then that's his last appearance in the entire fucking franchise before they produce this anime decades later. Is stumbling backwards down a flight of stairs and presumably dying. I fucking love that so much. Gundam's so good. <laughs> Dude, Gundam is, is so good. And, like, I, I don't want to say I forget how good Gundam is, but every time I watch it, I'm just like, God, Gundam is so good. God damn. Like, especially 0079 is such like, a fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And so, from the, I think that's that's our mostly our cast, and we're going to get into the bulk of the linear discussion of everything. Yeah. And a lot happens in this. I have some notes, and I do have a death list, so we can do our first tr proper in-memoriam. It's a long one. Um, not as long as you'd think. Because uh, I only did characters with names. <laughs> right, and not the fucking... Not everybody who died. Not the people who died specifically in Origin. Not the, not the five billion people who died. <laughs> well, I did write one that was... I, one of the tabs is actually, like, most of the population... Half of the population... Of the human population. Yeah. But, uh... uh I, I not... Because, once again, the saddest part about Origin, to me, is that you know that a good 90% of the characters you're watching here are all dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, everybody's dead. Everybody, no one here is alive. Everybody's dead, Dave. They're all dead. Everybody's... They're all dead. It's... It's bad. <laughs> so, uh, I don't... I haven't... I, no one who dies in 0079 is counted. Or later. So, um... I guess do you want to start with episode one because each one has an episode has an episode name and the first four originally they were only going to have four episodes and they were going to cut it off at episode four but um it did well enough that they were got to they got two more mm -hmm. where and they were able to adapt the loom arc which I think is great because if they didn't adapt the loom arc I would have been really disappointed. Yeah, I'm 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 glad I'm glad they did it like because part 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 of me was like I guess I could part of me was like I see how I see why they would want to like keep some stuff like give it give it the give it the veil of mystery because um, that I mean that that was the whole reason that like that was the whole reason all of these events were initially so cool and we wanted to see them in the first place because they were just these things that were hinted at never shown in the original double yeah. yeah we keep hearing about them like we see the Battle of Loom somewhat in MS Igloo as well as Odessa like other extra not extra canonical but like expand Gundam expanded universe stuff I guess if you consider everything not penned by Tomino to be expanded universe mm -hmm. um but. But so yeah, we we get the opening. We get like a, we get like a like a like a, in in media res opening kind of like a f flash forward, of like a adult adult char adult char fucking shit up, just to kind of show just kind of show you, just kind of give like show you like this is where we're heading. This is where we're gonna get to, uh, and also we want to we want to sell this model kit real fast. We want to sell these these uh, these origin these or these uh, Zaku origin uh, variants, um. which is the cynical side of it. And I kind of wish they just cold opened with with like that shot of like the moon. I think over over Moonzo. Mm hmm. Because I think that would have been like, I think that would have been pretty effective. <laughs> yeah. Just started out with Zeon Daikun raving like a lunatic. 
Yeah, that that is the one thing that I that I guess they they that I didn't that that isn't gleaned from 0079 is just like just because like Zeon Daikun is such is such this like uh, saintly figure that everybody reveres like infallible like this infallible like Christ-like figure who was who was going to do all of these great things because he said he was gonna. And then we see that, like, no, oh, this was this was just a normal man way fucking in over his head, who just like he he has some good ideas, but like he's a he's a flawed person. Uh, from what I can glean from an extra chapter in the novel, in from an extra chapter in Origin, and from a, from dialogue in Origin, like later on in the manga, mm-hmm. like that's adapting 0079. I so I made a lot of comparisons. At least in my head, I make a lot of comparisons to Zeon because you do have some Nazi iconography, but I don't. I think that Zeon has more in common with the Soviet Union in terms of their formation than they do the Nazi Party. Hmm. Uh, just mostly because I think I see Daikun as being kind of like what like Lenin was not a like a Lenin was like a political philosopher and not really a politician, but he started the, a revolution. And in a revolution, you need a big guy who's going to crush some skulls, which is where Stalin came in, which is who I think Deg- the role Degwin kind of played. Uh huh. Like he 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 ha- he looks like a mafia don runs kind of his runs his mafia style family, but I think the zombies made people go away. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. That and were kind of like a dirty hand that you know was loyal to Daikun's cause, and Daikun not being a politician but a like a philosopher kind of did get way in above his head because he was just the guy he was like guys we should do all this stuff and rallied up people to you know get more autonomy for space noids like i think the reason why munzo has a government of its own at all is probably credited to daikun and so yeah that that the 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 politics of like how much autonomy the federation gave any particular colony at all like was a little bit fucky to me starting out because it's like th- like the Xeon like they already had their own like uniforms and like kind of loyalties and stuff and they were already their own like they, they had their own academy but the federation pretty much just used them as a fucking punching bag to keep like to keep spirits down essentially like um well is what we find out the later way I the way I understand it is that because of the stuff that happened in like the double O fifties is why the col because I think is why the colonies are now essentially their own co- each side or co- these big clusters of colonies are all their own sovereign countries underneath the banner of the Earth Federation. Yeah, and so I think bef- and so I think they're each trying to become a little more autonomous, having their own governments. Like we like Ledot is side six where the white base goes toward the end of, of 0079 and where War in the Pocket takes place. And they declared neutrality in the war and kind of are their own independent independent thing. Side 5 is Loom. As we saw, they were split on whether they sided with the Federation or Zeon. And uh, Side 4 was completely destroyed. Uh, and I think also the point... That uh, I think it's symbolic that side three Moonzo is directly the farthest away from Earth. Like they're behind the moon. That's how far they are. 
which is why, of course, they'd want to have the most independence. We are physically the farthest away from, you know, the Earth from the Earth. Why do they get to decide what we do? Yeah. And it's through a lot of a lot of you know supplemental text. It's kind of revealed that the first space noids were second class citizens sent because of that were you know test subjects essentially who were desperate enough to leave the overpopulated earth mm-hmm. and i'm sure the first generation space noids were hardcore miners who were building who were mining shit on the moon and other asteroids to make raw materials to build these experimental space cylinders that you're they're just going to live in just literally that just literally that like early 20th century s- socialist worker ideal of like a buff man wanging a piece of metal with a hammer all fucking day <laughs> yeah that it's it's that's why i got a lot of more like socialist vibes than i get fascist vibes mm-hmm. but then again like you could argue Stalin's rule of the Soviet Union was fascist in nature. I mean, like, you know... Which wait, it really was. Human, like, like individual individual human greed corrupts every movement. Um, oh, definitely. Especially as we saw with... as we Especially as we see in Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I think that's why... I mean, like, like that, that's why you... Mur- like, that's why you assassinate someone. Because, like... Like is, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm sh- I, I'm sure if if Degwin thought that he that he could fucking talk, uh, talk Zeon into fucking seeing things his way, they would have done that first instead of poisoning him immediately. But it's like I want oh, I yeah. want like but I I don't I no longer want to be baby. I want power, and so I I poison my friend. Uh. <laughs> So it's like, uh, we open with Blue-Eyed Cosville, and we all, that's that's the first episode, it's Blue-Eyed Cosville, and uh, we see only very briefly Zeon Daikun alive, Mm -hmm. where he is just freaking out at his wife Astraya, or his his, his mistress. We meet his wife a little later in this episode. Um, His mistress Astraya. And she, her, and we see it pretty much from the point of view of 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 Kosval, who is like in bed, and he's like I think eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. and just hearing this, overhearing his parents arguing, where it's like his mother's just like, please, like Daikun, please just go to sleep. You're you're like you're manic, and he's like, I gotta make this speech. It's supposed to be a declaration of war to the Earth Federation, and I just can't find the words. I'm like losing it, and he's he's losing it. And he has a moment where he goes into their bedroom and just holds like baby Artasia, and you can see that he does. He is a. He seems like a like a good father, just pushed to the absolute brink of his own sanity. And it just it's this. And then it, it's a really dramatic moment. He's just like there's protesters outside. Everything's going nuts. Federation like Federation riot corps are there, ready to kill as many civilians as they possibly can. And Daikun just seizes up, has a heart attack, and fucking dies. Yeah, it's 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 that classic dramatic thing where the the person about to die has a glass of 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 like has a glass and like they drink the glass and they drop it and it shatters very very well timed and then everybody in the room freaks out and then this so... Gundam is Gundam is Gundam is a very good franchise for like when it rains it pours because it's like it's never it does drama good it's never fucking 
it, it isn't just that, oh, uh, fucking Zeon Daikun was assassinated. Then immediately, like, as just as the Zabi family is, like, getting cozy with, like, this, this plan that they've, that they've hatched, uh, Cassilia gets pissed off at fucking the, the secret, the secret brother that was retconned into this thing. Yeah. And then blows up his car and probably just assumes so, that Dazzle will survive. Because he's Dazzle. Like, um, so at this point, they immediately go, like, right before the funeral, Dagwin approaches Astraya and he's like, listen, listen, if you need anything from me, I got, like, <laughs> I, I was trying to do Marlon Brando, but it came out as Donald Trump. Ew, what? If you need anything. So did Dagwin. from my family. <laughs> so was, Dagwin was also trying to be. Oh, no. Dagwin was also trying to be Marlon Brando, but he came out as Donald Trump. But he's just like, if you need anything from me, like, I, I, I was Degwin's, like, number one guy. If you need anything from me or my family, just ask. And then immediately Jim Barral across the room is like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, Jim Barral gives him the worst stink eye and takes the, um, the Daikuns aside and are like, listen, the zombies killed your, your husband. And Australia's like, please don't say that in front of my very fragile children. Like, no, tell them. They gotta know. No, tell them. Your father was killed by the fucking zombies. <laughs> Actually, I like Jim Barral. Yeah, no, good character. And, and so, at, at that point is when, um... At that point, Jim Barral is like, we gotta get you guys out of here because we, I don't... I think the zombies are gonna try to X you guys out, too. Like, you guys are a liability to them, so I see... And, like, we don't even know if this is true. This Jim Barral could just be assuming this. Yeah. And that Degwin had... And had so, he, they're like, take my hot son, Ron Barral. <laughs> And he's gonna get you in his painted blue armored car and get you out of here because, of course, it's painted blue. It's Rambaral. I fucking love that so much. So Rambaral almost gets um, them out of there, but they just get swarmed by protesters who get scared off by Cassilia, who is like I think head of the like the police, the police force of Moonzo. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, she kind of lets them go, and that's why Sosro freaks out. He's like, "You let them go? Like what?" And he, like, smacks her in the face, and he's just like, I just got people all, you know, huffing the fact that the that the Federation killed Zeon. And now, now Jim Barral's off saying shit like this. This isn't good. And it's like, I like to believe that Sosro is, like, a fucking, like, Rush Limbaugh, like, Sean Hannity type. Yeah, just, like, he he controls, like, the press and, like, the... the 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 gossip and like the the buzzword like whatever buzzwords people are politically freaking out over so finally the funeral does happen at this point the 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 daikuns are in um are in raw custody but uh after the funeral procession for for daikun happens well we we see a little cameo of baby garma who's like tries to wave to char like hi you're another kid Char's just like Garble Cosval at this point. It's like this is not the time. It's like it's like my 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 dad's dead. You fucking twink. <laughs> uh, and then after that, that's when Sosro explodes because <laughs> Casilia he made Casilia mad. Oh my god, I love her. What what do you think of Origin Casilia? Because I remember I always will remember that Tumblr post where it's just like I am offended. Where somebody's just like I can't believe that uh 
in only a certain amount of years, she Casilla goes from being this hot to being like the the walking corpse that she is in 0079. Uh, His words, not mine. I just think I just think that post is really fucking funny. Yeah, no that that post that post is funny and was clearly it was clearly written by a man because Casilla from Casilla right up until she loses her entire fucking head and the rest of her body from from uh from a rocket launcher uh is hot as fuck and i would let her choke me to death <laughs> so at this point uh tensions between the rawls and uh the zombies has exploded into like street violence where like now there's like all these like hooligans who are going through it around the street trashing baby people screaming the zombie name screaming like zombie zombie it's bad mm-hmm and Cassilia makes her way to the Rawl Mansion to go and threaten Daiku, to go and threaten Cosmal specifically. Yeah, basically just sizing him up and seeing what and seeing what a threat this fucking child is, and like fucking, so like honestly, surprisingly, she she comes back like I think we actually have to worry about him. Like he <laughs> he was not fucking with me. Like he did he had none of it. Like I'm, th- I handcuffed him, and then he said, "You know what would be cool if I blew your head off with a fucking rocket launcher." Uh, and <laughs> that'd be cool. Giren G- basically said, "Like, don't worry about it." While playing Go, my brain is my brain is huge. Don't worry about it. Uh, just aside, uh, because I I love him, but Bonjo Genga came back as Giren, the original Giren. That's great. Who also voices Domino in Edeon and uh, Good Old Rochina in Votan. Yeah. I'm glad they got the original Garen back because he has a he has a good voice. It's a good voice. He's a good. He's such a good. And like, arguably, they gave him. They they. I mean, he always. I mean, he was always one of the one of the best. One of the, had one of the better written characters in 0079. Like he has that fucking speech. But it's like I. We see more of Garen. Like we get more moments of him. Like we we truly see what because like at, at least when i first watched like the double 79 films i i definitely got that he was like sort just sort of like a like a like a like a sociopath but this ova really just shows his whole ass like it just sh- it, like it because sh- like when you're the villain in an anime and you act like that it, it can normally come off like oh, he's like a criminal mastermind, he's like a genius, he's playing three-dimensional chess. But Gundam Origins really shows Garen for the fucking arrogant prick he is, of just like, no, like, everything that's gonna, everything that's leading, that's gonna lead to his death, he is sowing the seeds for here and now, and he is making mistakes plain as day that not only we, the audience, see, but his entire fucking family watches him do. And the only reason they happen is because he's too much of a stubborn shithead for any of them to talk him out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, at this point, Rambaral is like, okay, the, the, the Daikuns are now in, um, are the, the remaining Daikuns are now in peril. They are. They are now in like mortal danger, and they can't stay here. So we're gonna transfer. I think that was something that Cassilia said that like we'll leave you alone if you guys like go to the original Daikun estate, where they meet Rosalucia, who is uh the ill, 
um, first wife of Daikun, mm-hmm. who uh, he apparently left because she couldn't conceive children and then ended up marrying a lounge singer named Astraya, who gave birth to the most influential person, <laughs> the most important person of the 0070s. Yep. But, uh, so she has, so she's pretty bitter, and she's like, you have to sleep up in the tower, and the children can may only stay with you for one night. I, I think, I thought she gave him a week. I think she did, I think it was a, I thought it was for one night. I, I don't know, who could say? Um, I, I, but, either uh, way, this... it was like a, it was like a, smack, it was like a cut, like we cut to the, we cut to the end of their stay. Yeah. And because it's simultaneously, Ron Barral is like, I gotta smuggle these kids out of Moonzo because they're just gonna die. Mm-hmm. And my dad, too. <laughs> yeah. So Ron Barral teams up with Crowley Hamon, who I guess is also a revolutionary or like some, some kind of super spy. They never. Because she's a lounge singer and is able to pull some fucking strings. Because she's just kind of like Ron Barral's girl in, uh, in 0079. Yeah. Um, her, she is honestly one of the most interesting char- one of the most interesting characters to me in Double Seventy Nine at, at at least in like the universe in like the one year war because like she she's just like a lounge singer that like like didn't necessarily like fuck her way to the top in the way she, that you think when someone says that but like she definitely like wooed her way to the top. <laughs> Um and like Ron like it's it's really it's it's so fucking but and yet she is also like extremely competent and good at what she does even if even if she was a fucking lounge singer that just like Rambaral fell in love with it's very interesting very big Fujiko Mine energy honestly yes yeah big Fujiko Mine energy. So she commandeer she bribes two Federation gun tank pilots in one of those proto gun tanks, and is like, "Okay, we're gonna you're gonna take us to the spaceport and crush a ton of traffic." And uh, so she rendezvous she shows up at like the Daikun Castle, and uh, Astra like Astraya has a heartbreaking scene. I I really like that scene where she's like telling baby Sayla, like, oh, if you count the moon however many times, that's when we'll return, and you can just see the face on Cosfall where he's old enough to know this is complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it's, it's, it, that, that's sadder than, like, baby Sayla crying about it. Because <laughs> you can just see in his eyes, like, <laughs> you can see the fire starting. <laughs> oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. He's... The seeds of Char Asnable are being sown, at, like, in that very moment. It's a lot. And they're watered quite soon in the next scene when Crowley shows up and takes the two children uh, to the spaceport when they get, you know, actually attacked by other, like, Moonzo security forces or Federation garrison. And Char, man, baby Char manages to kill, like, two of them. Good lord. Which some people take a lot of issue with, but I think it, like, I think that's a very important defining moment for Char. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, and we, 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 we keep calling this Shakespeare, Shakespearean, and, like, honestly, one of the things that I keep coming back to is a play that, like, a play that, at the very least, from, from what I know vaguely of, like, people's cultural understanding of Shakespeare doesn't get talked about a lot, uh, Titus, and Titus Andronicus. Yeah, I love Titus Andronicus. Um... And, like, 
funnily enough, it's one of the two Shakespeare plays I just read for the fuck of it. Yeah, uh, I, I took I, t- I took a course I took a Shakespeare course uh, in, in in college. Not like super in depth. It was a very like it was essentially like the the equivalent of a high school English class. But all we were doing is talking about Shakespeare. Um, I mean that sounds fun anyway. Yeah, no, they were fun. I like, fucking love Shakespeare. Um, I, 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 I wish I wish I I wish I didn't regret all of the debt because I had a good time. Um, but. Um, and the, the, the thing that, like, the thing that I really hit home with me about, uh, Titus Andronicus and, and really, like, as a whole, the, the Shakespearean tragedy is, like, how self-aware, how, how self-aware it is in its, uh, not this like, I guess, like, hyper-violence, but also just, like... Isn't all the violence in Titus Andronicus also off-screen? Um, because it has to be by nature of being a fifteenth-century tragedy. Yes. Yeah. Now, now that you say that, I'm not sure how much I thought about that at the time, just because like I didn't see it performed. Um, but um, like a lot of the violence in that is both like tragic and like fucked up and horrible, but when compiled one after another on top of each other and presented in the way that it is, it is almost farcical and it is almost comedic. And it's just like just the way that just the way that like Char just fucking like like people people are people die all around him and people are killed around him and like the way that the ease the ease with which even as a child he just fucking and like ends clowns lives fucking it's it's ridiculous but it's also very him and it's very important like it it's it's what's it's it's more important for his character than the believability is to the story yes and i think that's that's something that people take issue with in the universal century it's it's something people take issue with in fiction more and more these days maybe always but like uh, the more i the more i look at the modern landscape of like media critique the more people are so fucking bothered by something quote unquote not making sense but it's like i mean it's there's a difference between there's something called a character driven narrative and a plot driven narrative yeah there's like this gun universal century gundam is very much character driven narratives in a large world it's it's all of these big personal like all these big dramatic personal conflicts are all happening under the umbrella of a you know impersonal conflict but that's what makes up and yeah. populates the world like thunderbolt is a personal conflict between two men 0083 which we're watching in a couple weeks is another personal rivalry you got the char amaro rivalry you got all these different relationships and all these character driven drama like character driven arcs that really propel the world forward yeah and and it's like and you know what like if you do if you really if you super fucking need a reason he's a new type fuck off i think i feel like that's the whole reason that's one of the reasons that new types are a thing in this world it's because it's like it's and that's what people take issue with new types too. It's, that's why people. It's like, oh, that's just why Amuro survived the one year war. Otherwise, he wouldn't. Like, and it's like, yeah, Shut it up. is. It's <laughs> like a fucking your favorite team would have wouldn't have won the fucking baseball game if, if they didn't get more points than the other team. What the fuck's your point? Like, <laughs> that thing wouldn't happen if that other thing didn't happen. Yeah, that's causality, idiot. <laughs> and only Kiriko's immune to that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so at this point, uh, when they get the uh, they get to the um, to the spaceport, and there's a little cameo by Lieutenant Tachi, who's like trying really hard not to not to get the the package scanned. Mm-hmm. As um, Kosval, Artesia, uh, Jim Baral, and her cat Lucifer are all sent to space, and it's a nice it's a nice moment. You actually can see like Kosval looking kind of whimsical, like kind of wistfully at like, oh wow, I've never been to Earth. This is kind of might be cool. I I do I do always love like because that was my that that was one of my favorite things about Rambaral is what a fucking space noid he was having to be on Earth and how much how much umbrage he took with it. But um, I I just like the flavor text like the world building in, in the character writing of like whenever people who have never been to Earth or like whenever space noids have to talk about Earth. They never, they never couch it in the normality that that we do as Earthlings, who are just used to how the Earth works. It's like I, I love hearing people talk about like how weird it is that like they can't control the weather, or just like what the, or just literally like what the fuck is the moon? Like, <laughs> it's great. I love that shit. Um, we, but that so that was the first. That was the first one. And we are uh, we are closing we are closing in on on two hours of recording, so we might want to zip through the other five a little bit. Yeah. So we got. So the second one goes pretty quickly. It's uh, Artesia's sorrow. It cut. We cut to now. It's 0071. Two years have passed. Char is a young teenager. Uh, they are Jim Baral pulled some strings with a wealthy man in Spain named Tiabolo Mass. Mm-hmm who is now acting as the adoptive father of Sela and Edward Mass. So, Sela, so, um, Ed, who are, you know, Kosval and Artesia. Jim Baral is, like, educating Kosval, and Kosval could not give less of a fuck. Jim, Jim Baral is educating Kosval while functionally crashing on this man's couch. And, uh... Just, just so, mooching. <laughs> Tiabolo shows up and he's fucking pissed. And he's like, why are you meeting with guys from Anaheim Electronics? Like, why are you bringing this shit to my mansion? And it's the, equi- it's, it's like, the equivalent of having to tell your roommate to not bring drug dealers over. Like, don't fucking do this in my home. You're not even paying rent. And it's like... And then and Jim Rowe's like, come on, like, I just, I was just talking to them about maybe we could use their money to, like, lobby Federation, like, like he- politicians and maybe overthrow the zombies. <laughs> Please wet me overflow the government. Don't flow and, me out. And pretty much because of that, Cassilia's guys get a fucking earful of that, and then a ton of assassins come in the middle of the night and fucking attack. We get a cool. We get uh, a cool sequence is, of. We get a cool sequence of Jim Brawl getting murdered by a knight in armor. And Char fights him and kills him. Yep, with a sword. It's fucking cool. <laughs> As dumb as it is, I'm like, why is that guy Lupin the Third? Is he fucking like Lupin the Third hiding in a suit of armor? Jesus. Um. Tiabolo mask gets pushed out of a window, and he's a paraplegic for the rest of the of the series. And uh, so, at that point, when shit gets messed up in Spain, they're like, "Well, I guess you guys got to go back to space." Like Tiabolo Mas is visited by his friend uh, Yashima, who is Mirai's father, who brings Mirai along with yeah. him. And it's a little Mirai cameo, which is nice. Mm. Um, where, essentially, he's like, okay, 
Um, I know. I just recently came into possession of a colony. Like I bought it. Uh, I bought all the property in that. Con- it was originally going to be like a dude. Ra- it's a dude ranch in space, essentially. Uh, called Texas Colony, and you guys can kind of lay low there because who would go to this fucking like recreational bullshit little like fun colony? Fucking me, I, and look I, for I, you guys. I would if. If I woke up tomorrow and it's like here, like we, like a bunch of space colonies have popped into existence, I would be like, which fucking one is the closest to Texas Colony? Send me there. I'm living in Texas, and let me tell you, it's nothing like Texas Colony. I wish it was, except for it would probably be way more racist. So I guess I don't want to live in that part of Texas at all. But <laughs> Texas Colony probably has Wi-Fi, so that's it's chill. So, so, so that when you see racist things, you can tweet about them. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, they get to Texas Colony, and Kosval's a little more, like, unhinged, even before than before. And, uh, they're living with the Asnable family, who own, like, a ranch. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a, you get a nice cute scene of, like, Kosval immediately takes to riding a horse. Like, it's, he's like, I could, I could have been a cowboy. Yeah. But that was gonna be one of Char's catchphrases in Gun of a Bridge, is I could have been a cowboy. Right. Or at the very least, it, it definitely so, it definitely was gonna be a one-off thing w- during the episode uh, that they're in the the deserted Texas colony in 79 Just like, Lala, I could have been a cowboy. It's like I lived here, you know. It was super. I was a cowboy. It was super cool. I fought. I I fought a dude at a bar one time. It was. Cool. I was like eighty percent certain he was a spy, so I broke a bottle over his head. And then almost killed him with a stick. <laughs> I almost killed <laughs> we'll him with a nail in a, a stick. Minute. So, uh, at this point, uh, is riding on her horse, and she's like, oh, wow, Cosval's gotten really good at this, and then finds out that there's a man who looks identical to her brother, except with blue eyes, named Char Asnable. Right. Oh, no, he, uh, and I can Char say, has the, Cosval has the blue eyes. Char he, has he has the blue eyes. Char has, Char has the, brown, brown eyes. Yeah. Blue-eyed Cosval. He has, he has brown eyes, unlike Cosval, but they also look identical. To which, I, I like how when him and Cosval meet, Cosval immediately mm-hmm. notices that. He's just like... Oh, this could be useful. <laughs> yeah, right? Just like, hmm. Um, just, God. Ch- uh, original Char Aznable is such a fucking rube. In, in, yeah. And, and again, like, and again, like, this is this, this is that other Shakespearean fucking character narrative. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, convenience, uh, contrivance even, of, of like, Oh, that the only reason any of this works is because of this ridiculous miracle that comes out of nowhere of like he just so happens to meet somebody who looks exactly like him and wants to be in all the places he needs him to be for his plan to work. But also that's a Shakespearean like that's a, that's honestly more of a Shakespearean comedy element um of of just like uh, you know that that kind of prince and the pauper shit of like like just perfect synchronicity perfect synchronicity serendipity coincidence victims of circumstance like that's just fun that's just good that's storytelling that's fucking yeah. why, why would i be interested in this story if a bunch of buck wild if you want shit happen? that 100% makes sense read the fucking news even then good luck yeah like like think about like Honestly, like the 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 read a history book. The longer, like the longer I live, the more I realize that like 
hey, you know what never makes sense and is full of, like, happenstance and cosmic coincidences and the only thing anything works out is because of, like, random singular events that nobody had any control over and just sort of happened out of nowhere? Life! Spoiler alert, it's real fucking life! Real life! life. That just hap- shit happens. Shit happens and none of it makes any goddamn sense. So, Ch- so Char and Casfall fucking fist bump and they're like we're best bros now because that's what happens when you meet somebody who looks a lot like you you're best friends now and he's like yeah the asimals are my family but i don't live in the colony a lot because i'm away i go to the main big colony to go to school yeah uh like i at because like i guess side five doesn't really have like i guess cosval goes to like the local school Cosval goes to the local school and, 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 and they're scared of him yeah, they're, like, talking to Tiamolo Mass, like, Cosfall's bright, and he's talented and everything, but he just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> That's, that was honestly, that, that was my favorite line. That was my favorite thing. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, no, he's, he's too good. It's like, it's like the, the teacher, the teacher is, like, wise enough to know that, like, there's, there's something under the surface of this child, and I, I I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So at at this point, um, they uh, Ka- Artasia this entire time, Sayla now has been writing letters to her mom, mm-hmm. and I guess Crowley has been like giving them correspondence. But Crowley's been visiting, um, Crowley's been visiting Astraya in the tower, and she's like dying. And it's, I'm assuming it's either Rosa Lucia or the zombies are like are have a hand in it or maybe she's dying of a broken heart padme style yeah i i think it's definitely a mixture of like neglect and stress um is killing her and so cosval shows up manic to the door with a letter from haman saying from crowley haman saying uh our mom is dead yeah and cosval is never the same again so he Cosval strolls into town with a chip on his shoulder the size of Texas and uh, picks a fight with this cowboy who he just assumes is like a, a zombie spy and beats the man near to death. It probably would have killed him if Sayla didn't intervene. Yeah. At that point, they're like, okay, Char can't, like, Cosval can't stay here. We're going to have to do something. And then Ch- real Char Asnable shows up and is all like, hey guys, I went on the pole and now I want to fight for Xeon. Yeah, he he just fucking young Republicans all over the goddamn place. Garen Shapiro fucking wormed his worm tongued in a uh, fucking young ass. And I mean, like, because it's like, and, and, you know, like all of his like, it's it's you could, like at the at, like at the dinner table, he's he's whooping it up and having a time and like being all like being the big like you can tell this is this is like a kid who like just learned what politics is and he's like he's just he's just like flexing he's just like he's like 14 he's just like reciting all all of the fucking like propaganda and talking points that he hears and the dad is just like can you please just not like right now i'm tr- we're trying to celebrate we're trying to have a good time we're trying to have a good time and 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 you're fucking giving us your horse shit um so at the same time as this in space Ron Baral is dug out of... Uh, Ron Baral beats the shit out of, like, a ton of rude Federation dudes in the bar at Club Eden. It's it's real good, and unlike and unlike the fight that Casval picked deserved. <laughs> yeah, like, th- these guys... Like, Ron Baral kicks the shit out of these assholes. 
and immediately Dazzle Zombie shows up. He's like, hey, you're the heir of the Rawl family. And Rumble Rawl's like, ha! <laughs> Rumble Rawl's like, fucking, they, like, what Rawl family? Fuck you. <laughs> but Dazzle's like, you're a good guy. You worked in the Moonzo Self-Defense Force, so I want you to be a part of this. And he, like, Rumble Rawl's like, all right, what is this bullshit? And what, why are we, like, deep underneath the colony? And he's like, wait, why are, like, Gaia, Ortega, and MASH here? These fucking morons who are the black tri-stars from 0079. <laughs> and they're like, look at the, look at this shit. We got these big-ass fucking mobile workers that built the colony, these, like, ancient machines. We're gonna, we're gonna fight with them. And Ron Barral's like, what the fuck? This is a great idea. And that mobile suit development started happening. Yeah. I, I do like that, I do like that Dazzle, Dazzle was the head of mobile suit development. I love... Dazzle is Dazzle is my favorite zombie. Dazzle has some great moments in this. So episode two ends with like the best moment ever, where Kosval, because of beating the shit out of a dude, is being sent to go to uh, high school with um, to go to the high school where uh, you know Char went. Yeah, and he's like leaving. Like Lucifer the cat just died, so (laughs) Sayla's in front of their graves, and she has this like like tan trench coat on. And in this perfect moment, it, like, flies off as she's chasing after after Cosmall in that, like, it mirrors this, the flashback from fucking uh, 0079 where she's wearing the blue dress and they did, like, it's so yeah, good. The, if you know what I'm talking about, it's so that, good. That, like, I, I, every time I see that, it was just, it's this, this big thing of, like, oh, man, you just know the very first time. Like, I, I, it's one of those things that you wish you could wipe your memory of and watch it again with, with, with fresh, with a fresh face. Cause just, like, that, that reveal of, cause that, that flashback is completely contextless. Like, there's not even a background in it. It's just, like, a vague, it was just, a vague memory, like, a memory of a, like, a vague memory of her. Like, she, cause, you know, when, um, the last time she saw him, like, cause, and, and that's believable because it's like when when you remember shit, especially like important, like traumatic events like that. It's like you don't even you don't necessarily like think about all the other shit going on. Like so, all she has in her memory is like this vision of her running toward her brother who was walking away from her. And then like so so the setting wasn't tipping us off, and she wasn't dressed the same way until she threw off the trench coat. And it's just like oh shit. And then she throws it off and starts running. It's like guess what we saw. And it's just like it's 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 just out of 0079, just like Ron Barral lifting up Sayla as a baby. It's it's God, great. It's so good. So, at this point, we you know get into episode three, Dawn of Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is real. I think you I, when we did this one a, a couple of years ago, you loved this one like so much. I. Do you want to take the helm on on Dawn of Rebellion? Uh, I believe it. I mean, I think I, th- I think it's fucking everyone's favorite. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. it's it's the one you see the most gifts of. It's it's the it's the Charma machine. It's it's the gayest episode. It's <laughs> so like Char is just like ch- fucking Char enlists. Ch- Char's in the fucking academy. Uh, real Char. Uh oh right. Oh right, fuck yeah, we gotta. Of course, like the like. Okay, everybody loves Charma. This is my favorite fucking part because th- I think this is what Castfall does. I think is the first and also the most char thing possible. Uh. So over at side three, Cassilia gets word that Castfall Daikun is coming back to is coming uh 
that is back in space and this is dangerous and we need to destroy yeah, him. Yeah, that was basically so that was basically the whole terms of keeping them alive. They were like, as long as they stay on Earth, it doesn't matter. They can like we'll just let them live out a peaceful fucking life or whatever. What damage can they do there, really? <laughs> yeah, they're on fucking tech. They're they're fucking they're they're all let them let them be cowboys. And so, like, Cassilli even says, like, if you guys just stayed put, we wouldn't have had to do this, but whatever. And there's that awesome shot of her eyes. Yes. Um, so... It's so good. So, so, Casval... Like, Casval planned this. This wasn't like a, this wasn't like a, oh, I suddenly have an idea now that I know that I can't go. Like, Like, one, he's, he knew he couldn't leave. Two... He he knew he couldn't enlist as 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 Cas as uh well not as Casval as as fucking Edward Mas, um because they knew who he was all along, and so he plants he plants a gun in fucking in Char in Char's bag. And then holds them up in customs, and Char's like, "I have to go, but I gotta, I gotta go to the academy. I gotta, I'm gonna miss orientation. Uh, prom's tomorrow. Fucking um. And so, uh, Casval's like, "Oh my, Char, my good buddy, my my bosom friend, my pal, my best friend of all my, time, but the best friend I've ever had and will ever have. My 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 bro." I don't don't worry about it. I've got you. Just give me your clothes. Um uh so they they switch they switch outfits and they 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 swab outfits and like uh it's like don't worry you you get on like y- you get on my show. What's like what's the logic? It's like I think it's like you get on my flight. You might be late to the orientation, but at least you'll get there like at the same day. Yeah, like you can you can tra- you can switch. No, like, I think they when you... they were gonna go. Weren't they gonna go on this? They were gonna go on the same flight, I think. And then Char's like, "Don't worry, like I'll I'll hold them up. You you get on the flight, and then I'll take the next one. It's N- NBD, my man." Um. And he's like, yeah, that's what yeah, it was. He's like, oh, thank you so so fucking much. Uh, and then Char, and then Char also takes his papers, unbeknownst to him. Yeah, he swipes those. Uh, and then the the flight that the the flight that the the flight that he's the flight that they were both supposed to be on, uh, blows the fuck up. And then and... that not okay. Not not only was that this was that the like the most the most fucking who is he who his now he who we will now refer to going forward as char asnable the 0079 char asnable um that is the most mask wearing blonde hair red comet ass motherfucking char asnable that is the most char asnable thing to ever do uh and i think that is when he's finally all in that's when char asnable is born literally at that moment. Um, well, because also that's the first time he killed an innocent person for his own gain. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then, but th- but then, like, that that also made me... Also, that's such a good twofer. It's the fact that, like, okay, people think Kosval is dead, and now I'm a completely different guy. Yeah, it's so perfect. And 
but but not only not only did that make me realize like oh fuck like yeah yep this is th- this is totally him he would do this um but i don't think i i don't think i fully took took stock of this the first time but like th- that wasn't like a airplane in space those passengers devin Look at all of the fucking windows, and then think of how how wide those. Sh- Devin, how many fucking people were collateral damage the, so they could kill one teenager? Casi- I mean, yeah. How 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 many people did Casilia kill to 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 to, 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 to kill one? And guy? she how didn't many? even it's, it's- fucking succeed. <laughs> She did not, and I wonder how mad she is when she finally figures out at the end of 0079 that that Char is Cosmo. Uh, I mean, I get, not really. Now that I think about it, she just kind of goes with it. I think like near uh, nearly a decade had passed at that point. Like what, like eight years? Um, honestly, I feel like she could have found out ten minutes later and just been like, "Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we'll get him next time, y'all." Um. So, um, just a quick thing to bring up is that, uh, Leto, an important character we're going to be meeting very soon, does not actually exist in the manga. Oh. I didn't remember that, because I, I flipped through the manga, and I was like, wait, Leto isn't here, and I was like, I guess he was only in the OVAs. That's interesting. Because he fits so well in that I didn't, I just assumed he, I just, I remembered him in the manga. Oh, wow, you Mandela affected yourself. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. I... Um, he is good, and we'll get to him because, um when 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 char gets to when char gets to orientation like he sits down and he has like a very fucking like uh young adult novel protagonist meeting his best friend for the first time moment where leto is like leaning in and like whispering in his ear of like who everybody is and like how things work like this let me let me tell you how things work around here and like the whole time and he also knows char already yeah and then it drops it's like and then it's like oh like you're one of my classmates uh like we go way back and then char's just like yep we sure do friend (laughs) like (laughs) um and char has some sick sunglasses on now yeah and he he like makes up something about like an eye and like an eye issue that he has to he the like prescription sunglasses basically fucking so that nobody so that like so that nobody notices that his eyes are the wrong color. Um, but obviously, the real Char's best friend notices real quick because they're roommates. And they were roommates. Um, and they were roommates. And we also see Garma again. Uh, yeah, and then we see Garma again, and then, like, there's there's a lot of sequences of, like, ch- of, like, Garma being the cool kid, but then Char is slowly becoming the cooler kid, and Garma fucking hates it. It's like, ooh, I'm... S- it's now... This episode takes place over a pretty, like, long period of time. Like, we're, the, it's like three years past during that during that montage. It's like 0074 or 75 by the, by the end of this episode. And the whole time... The whole time, like, Leto is just in a, in a thriller. Like, li, like I, I love... I love all of the moments of, like, quiet dread, like, whenever Char leaves the room and Leto just, like, has a moment to himself to be like, I, I have no fucking, like, I, I feel like I'm going insane, I have no way to fucking prove it, but I know that that's not my fucking friend Char, like, oh my, <laughs> and, like, that, that's so visceral, because it's like, that, 
that's so fucking good. I would watch a whole OVA about that. Like... Just this OVA, but recut from Leto's perspective. <laughs> as like, as Leto. like, as like a, as like, yeah, as like a, as like a psychological thriller. Yeah. Oh my god, that's good. <laughs> Sing, it's, it's, it's single blonde, single blonde male. Because it's like, Cosfall just kicks ass at everything. So he's just like, Char was never this. Ch- cool. Char was a fucking clown. Um. <laughs> And Char like was good. Char, like, Char was good at riding horse, eating hot chip, and believing propaganda. Char threw up after drinking two beers. <laughs> God. Um. So. Yeah. So like, Char, Char is basically like. Char is Ch- Char is good at some things about his disguise and not at others like he's he's good at he's good at he's good at crafting his own persona that he needs to craft but like everybody who knew char he he cut out of it like he he, he's not writing home he gave up writing home after a minute like he just slowly tapered off until it's just like he just doesn't care about about he doesn't care whether or not char like Char's parents see him ever again. Like he doesn't care about the like. So like there there are holes in his plan, and Leto is definitely one of them. Um, and Char is also very much a a sixty. Well, Char has the balls very much a sixteen year old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but f- like for now, everything's going pretty groovy. Uh, and he's started to. And I don't. I don't even necessarily know how much of this was intentional just because like everything he does seems so intentional but also he just like totally just like like puts garma in his place i do wonder like you know what maybe that is like his petty his pettiness like leaking through of just like it probably would be better for his plan if he just like went through academy training without getting the attention of the zombies but he just can't help himself of dunking on this fucking purple idiot yeah, Garma's, I like Garma's kind of naive and arrogant in 0079, but he's not a major character. He actually gets more screen time here than he does in 0079. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garma is so wooby in this. They really like some man. Somebody loves Garma. <laughs> like Garma's voiced by uh, I forgot his name, but he voices uh, Simon in Gurren Lagann. And he also voices Angelo, who is kind of a Garma stand-in in Unicorn. Ah, I see. He he, he voices Full Frontal's boyfriend. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, he's he's Garma two point Jesus. Uh, um. So they Garma basically comes around to him because like Garma tr- Garma tries. Garma tries in the way Bojack Horseman tries. Uh, where it's like, yeah, I guess you're giving it an effort, but you still are fundamentally just not the person you think you're capable of being. Uh, so it's like, every time he tries to... So it's like, so the through line is, huh, I think maybe I am kind of like an, an arrogant daddy's boy who is just handed everything in, in life. 
and I am surrounded by a bunch of yes men, and Char is the one person who will tell who will tell it like it is to me. I should foster a relationship with Char. Daddy, make this make this boy my new roommate, please. And so Garma is moving it. Le- Char comes home one day, and Leto's like packing up his shit, and he- Char's like, "What's going on?" Leto's like, "Um, uh, I'm the the fucking." The the military is kicking me out of this room, but putting me in another one. It's and Lido's just having a time. He's just like, okay, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Yeah, just like this is this is above my fucking pay grade. Um, and it, you also forgot to mention the fact that in the the best mar- the best um dep- anytime in Gu- in the Gundam franchise they want to show how cool somebody is, they need to have them. Beat somebody else at basketball. Yeah, no, they were hooping. <laughs> they were hooping. I like how Garma's like, oh, I make a three pointer, and I like, like Garma's the worst at basketball because he like makes a shot and then immediately leaves the game to go like be like, look how great I did, yeah. and then Char is still just playing. <laughs> could you could, rest in peace, Kobe? But could you imagine Kobe Bryant like making a shot and then just like running through the crowd doing high fives while the game is still going on? Because <laughs> that's what Garma just did. He don't think he gets basketball. No, he really super doesn't. But um, I, 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 I do want. I want somehow there to be a Super Robot Wars moment where fucking Char challenges Hero to fuck Hero Yui to fucking hoops. <laughs> that would be um, the best. Yeah, but I just want to bring that up because basketball, because Char dunking on Garma literally is the funniest thing in the world to me. Yeah, and then Utena shows up out of nowhere and dunks on all two, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> God, but um, God, imagine Super Magical Girl Wars. Yes. Fucking shit. Uh, but um. So they, they're they're besties now, uh, especially after the whole. Uh, it's funny, like again, because they're on a colony, so the weather the weather is simulated. So they 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 have like the field training or whatever, where they have to like f- climb a goddamn mountain or whatever, and like the people running the exam just like crank up the rain meter, I guess, and it's just like storming violently and like. It's extra shitty because, like, all of the students know that, like, they're doing this on purpose. Like, how fucking petty. I love it a lot. Um, this is a good episode. This is this might be one of the best ones. So, like, Garma... Like, Garma legitimately shows improvement through competition via Char, but, like, he kind of, like, bites off more than he can chew and so- sort of gets stuck alone up on a fucking mountain. But then, like looks to his left and char is just there kind of chilling just like not having a bad time at all like i think Garmo, i think it was like garma was pushing himself and then ended up like slipping and hurting his leg and then yeah but and then that too um and then the, the, the whole time char's char's just like char's basically just like i can like i can help you anytime like just say the word fucking fancy boy and he's just like no fuck you um and Char in the back of his head is just like, I can kill this fucker at any fucking second. I can just cut his fucking throat right yeah, here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of gay dom energy. There's a lot of top and bottom energy going on, and it's real good. 
you can taste it. Like I'm not I'm not usually big into shipping or putting Yowie goggles on everything, but it's like it's just there in the text. Yeah, it's listen, it's it's not it's not it's it's not Yowie goggles if it's well written and good. Uh but uh and then like, you know, they 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 make it through the exam and like 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 Char gets good brownie points for like rescuing Garma or whatever and it's all good. Dazzle's there. Dazzle's the fucking principal. <laughs> Uh, yes i think that's i think that's the reason i love this episode so much is because it's like this is just like a high school au that i would come up with and it's canon (laughs) why is dazzle the principal it's the best well they explain it too Uh. like degwin like after the revolution in episode four degwin screams at dazzle like listen i put you i i put you as headmaster there solely to make sure garma does not actually get hurt or in danger at any moment ever yeah you are only there really to protect garma and so like you had one job dazzle and and like so while this is happening like thing things are going good like the academy like the academy's doing well like because of like like char like char and garma are both like doing doing well and like the students students like them and see them as like like role models or whatever and like like dazzle's there so that's great because dazzle makes everything better um and then the and then the federation shows up uh, yeah, they do the simulated battle against the Federation. Unlike the Red Shoulder simulated battle, this is an actual simulated battle. Yeah, it's paintball. Um, and basically, what it is, like what it what it functionally is supposed to be is the Federation. The Federation shows up and like puts them in their place and like shows them like, oh, you fucking space noids, like, oh, you may be good, but you can never beat. You us. can never beat us. Um, and they do. They beat the shit out of them. Char- and because of Char and Garma, like Char and Garma, like fucking okie doke the shit out of those those fools. Um, and they don't like it. And there's like it's if this were if this were handled in any if anything about the the next scene was even slightly off, it would have been so corny. But it just like I loved it so fucking much of just like execution was perfect char like raising his hand and like asking a question during a lineup to the federation guys and for he does the, first of all he does the fucking motherfucker at a Q&A panel who gets up to the microphone and goes okay i actually have two questions uh <laughs> um actually pulls out a piece of paper in his yeah, pocket yeah fucking he pulls out a fucking scroll and it rolls all the way down back to the fucking entrance of the fucking hall but like char pulls out of his pocket and just for 10 minutes you hear you like <laughs> all right question number one um yeah uh so char is char basically like puts him in their place char basically like char basically said calls their shit char basically says what everyone is thinking and calls them out and like isn't playing around and it's just like uh, and just like isn't it true that you guys are just here to like lower morale and make us look bad um, you're here to, you're bully, here to us. bully us. Like, right. This whole this this whole thing is just a farce so that you can feel superior to us, and and then like but like making sure to frame it all in a way that is not insubordination technically, um, and then 
he gets slapped around for wearing sunglasses, even though they're like prescription. He's supposed to have them, and they're like that's against regulation and just an excuse to hit him. And you know, in a realistic military setting, nothing bad would happen to that man. Like whatever, he smacks him, but he would find out later, like oh, like oh, actually that kid's allowed to have them, and he would just be like oh, whatever, and like walk away because that's just that shit just happens with people in power. Um, but the, the students actually, like, stick up for Char. They're like, yo, that was fucked up what you just did. Like, pick up pick up his sunglasses. Pick him up. And they're just like, they don't, like, they don't care necessarily about him suffering consequences. Like, like the, nobody's calling for him to be, like, court-martialed or something. Or, like, uh, but, like, at the very least, they're just like, apologize and pick up his sunglasses. Um, because that alone is, like, such a fucking dishonor. Um, and it's like I also think it's because of the tensions between like the feder- the, yes. the, the Federation occupation of Moonzo and like all of the everybody who is uh, who's joining Zeon is immediately anti Federation already. Yes, and I think General Revel was even there. I think he was. Yeah, but so the and the thing that the thing that the thing that got me the most was just like again and like they perfectly had it within their power to be like fuck all you kids i'm not doing that like now you're all in trouble like fuck off but seeing them actually stand up for themselves and like not be afraid of them like the tables have turned and like now these federation officers are scared of are scared of these fucking students like actually nervous about them and probably about the future like they're like oh shit like these kids are these kids these, these kids are trained and talented and mad at us and our government <laughs> this might be our fault um <laughs> I think the- i'm sorry but that that phrase can be placed at any major moment in in the one year war and everything leading up to it of just one character in the room going this might be our fault uh <laughs> <laughs> Mostly the Earth Federation <laughs> and Garrett Sabi. Uh, for those not in the loop, General Rebel is the supreme commander of like the Federation military. Um, but uh, I think the face that Char makes at him is fucking great. Of just the kind of like half smirk, like his face is still turned from his, getting slapped. His fucking cat mouth. Uh, fucking. And cat- then Garma comes up and Char is like, everybody. Char is that knife cat. Yeah, Char's knife cat. I'm sure there's already a Photoshop of that knife cat with a Char mask. I think I might be Mandela affecting it into my brain, but I think I've seen it. Uh, um, so, because of all these rising tensions, like, Char fucking... It... I... Does he have... What it like fucking? What's his end goal for fucking revolt? For for organizing the revolt? Like, is it is it dead ass just to speed up the? I war? think it's also because, I think it's also just it's. I think it's a to put Garma in more danger, and b because the fact that Char also hates the Federation. Oh sure. Because I think it's also that he's seeing that like at this point like political because I think there's a bit of a time skip between the end of the slap scene and like the pick it up and then like them kind of on salvage duty that leads to the revolution. Yes. Because I think at that point they're like they haven't graduated but they're like they're like seniors at that point. I... And uh, the, there's like a federation they kind of oversee 
like a Federation ship crashes or something. I don't quite remember exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's like it's but like tensions... it's like a, it's like a mishap. Like a like a Federation ship crashed into like a like a, like like a Zeon ship or colony or something like that, and like caused a lot of damage and I think death probably because yeah probably killed some people in the accident and, and like it's just it was it was just seen as like more federation like more federation arrogance and federation incompetence um that just was kind of like it just lit a fuse and then like there's just mass fighting in the streets and by and the the their the federation garrison tries to is silences the uh tries to silence the riots with bullets and oh. gun tanks and it's very real yeah Thankfully, we're not. Thankfully, we're not at that end goal yet. But fucking <laughs> every day, every, I feel like literally, without exaggeration, every day this month of January 2020 has been a similar situation of the 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 U.S. government proving its incompetence and arrogance, and people protesting somewhere, and then like no one, like like the government not caring. Uh, luckily, they haven't gotten. So what you're saying is we need to drop a colony. <sighs> so at at this point, I think that's when Char starts kind of worm tonguing Garma. Yes, that's the. You know what? That really is the best way to fucking describe it. He really is just in Garma's ear, up Garma's ass, possibly metaphorically, more possibly literally. Um, but he's like. He's like Garma. Don't you want to turn the wheels of uh, turn the gears of history yourself? And Garma's just like, tr- like literally trembling. Y- yeah, and like, th- th- God, that really was the that the gayest fucking shit that in the was world. The gayest thing in the world, and it was so fucking delicious. I feasted. <laughs> the way he buttons up his fucking like the, uniform. The, the absolute cherry on the gay cake is when tr- is when they're all suiting up and Garma's too nervous to like clasp his own zipper and Char slowly zips it up. God. That's the gay cherry on top of the gay sundae. It's real good. Um, um And then uh and then Leto. Yeah, Leto kinda immediate so Leto's like, hey, Remember that grav ball game we played? And Char's like, yes, of course I remember the sport ball game. And Lito's like, well, there was no sport ball game. Caught you. Um, but then, uh... Like, this is the greatest moment of Lito's life. Yeah, and, like, and then, like, but but honestly, like, the most... Like, this is a really good... I love this twist so much. Lito's like, I'm on your side, though. I, not not only not only did I prove that you're not who you say you are, but I found out who you actually are, and I'm you're Coswell fucking Daikun. Daikun, and I am on your side now. Fuck fuck Char, he died for your cause. Fuck it. Um, I don't care about this. Him is anymore. the coolest shit that's ever happened to me, Lito Fernandez. Um, and he's he, if if anything, he is now more than ever invested in being like Char's best friend. Um. And he has a very important role in Char's life by giving him the goggles. He, fuck. Yeah, that's real good. That's real good. He gives Char the goggles. Um, and so basically, like, th- th- all of this is happening, uh, while all this, like, all this is happening, they're, like, the, the students are planning a revolt to, a, to, to, revolt to take over, to, like, do, do, like, a military, to do, like, a armed takeover of the Federation base next door. Um, just 
to try to like def- just to get the federation to like leave the yeah. the protesters alone yeah as like a, as just like as a, as as a flex basically like get, like get the fuck out like no one wants you here um and uh they they have like it's a it's a fucking plan it's a plan ass of a plan um Garma's the or Garma helps Char helps Garma orchestrate it while Garma kind of sits at the back and or and like kind of manages everything. Char leads the, the assault himself. Yeah, and um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Zena. Zena or Zena. Zena. Zena Mia. Uh, goes to distract uh, Principal Dazzle. <laughs> yeah. Um, with a gun. Uh, and it's. It's such a weird scene, and it—it's such a well, not necessarily a scene, but such a weird outcome, and I only allow it because it's Dazzle. Uh, any other circumstance, this this shit would be gross. Uh, but basically, like, while she, I mean, nothing bad, nothing bad happens during the whole distraction process, but her pointing a gun at him—he kind of just like. He kind of, like, falls to his knees when he finds out Garma's the one orchestrating it and kind of doesn't know how to react. Yeah, but what I was gonna say was, like, like, after that, like, the, the, like, he, he basically becomes enamored with basically her moxie, like, hey, this, this girl, like, this, this girl pointed a gun at me, that's fucking hot. Um, (laughs) and, you know, fair, it was, but, uh, but then after that, like, after that, and I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll go back to the rest of the revolt, but like after the events of that, he fucking literally just has like a schoolboy crush on this girl who is like possibly half his age. Um, to in 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 Dazzle's defense, he doesn't just like go after her. He legit asks her to marry him. She, yes, and like it's it. Yeah, I I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but it looks bad on paper. Is what I'm telling. That's all oh, yeah. I'm telling the audience, just so that the audience doesn't. Just, just so like, if you haven't watched Origin yet, you're not like, why is why are Tuch and Devin just okay with this grown man marrying his student? It's in context and the way it's done. It's not nearly as gross. It's as It's goofy and like she. I I will say that we don't get a whole lot of scenes of how she feels about it. We're just led to. We're just, it's presumed that, like, she's cool with all of this and it's all fine and great and they have, like, a loving, yeah, they have a loving marriage where she, where she has this child and then I'll, we'll, we'll find out what happens to her later. <laughs> oh, you, you find out what happens to her in Charles Lita de Ferrer where she dies in the second chapter. Oh. She get they get to Axis and then she immediately dies of sad anime mom disease. Oh, man. Well... Uh, we'll we'll see what happens to her. We'll see. Well, she's not there in Zeta, so that's the <laughs> baby Zam is baby though. Zam. Yeah, that that's who I was actually referring to because I'm I'm hyped. She is the main reason I'm one of the main reasons I'm so hyped for Unicorn. Mineva, yeah, yeah. Mineva Lauzabi. Um. So the revol- so during the during the armed revolt, everybody's doing a good job, and like L- Leto is. Honestly, doing a bad job uh, with with uh, uh, Leto's doing a bad job making 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 himself believable that he is gonna be able to keep fucking Char's secret a secret because he's just so fucking hype about it. 
Um, My favorite moment in the in Leto's unfortunate demise mm-hmm. is um, he's like, okay, Leto, get on another specific channel with just me so we can discuss important stuff. And Leto's like, hell yeah. So he like pretty much manipulates Leto into getting into hijacking a Federation tank and then getting yeah, killed. Yeah, he, he, he says like, go hijack that tank. And then he doesn't tell anybody that Leto did that. And so Leto's just driving around in an enemy tank. And then, and then somebody asks like, hey, where's Leto? And Char's like... You see that tank? Fucking got him, man. I think Char, no, Char doesn't even say anything. And then they're like, oh, damn, he'll be avenged. Yeah, we will avenge him. And he's like, and he's just like, you sure fucking will. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Leto. Uh, rip to Leto, but I'm different. Um, and so they win. Like, they, they get those they get those and old they, crusty fucks at gunpoint. Like, Char gets those crusty fucks at gunpoint, and he's basically just like, surprise, bitch, you, I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's awesome. You you really are kind of rooting for Xeon at this point, because, like, they are very, very... They're treated very badly by the Federation. I fucking... Like, in the, it puts in context why so many people were so eager to get in Zaku's and invade the Earth. Yeah, no, like, it's it's one of those things, like, like Gundam, Gundam is so good at, like... Gundam is so good about justifying people's actions without excusing anything. It makes sense why people are doing the things they're doing. Yeah. So, episode three comes to an end with uh, the Dawn Rebellion ending and, like, Dazzle, like, sobbing and screaming, like, Garma! And he, like, embraces Garma, who, like, falls asleep immediately in his arms after being awake for presumably, like, 24 hours. Little baby. Episode four is Eve of Destiny, and this one is, I think, the weakest of the four. Um, yeah, I actually don't remember a whole lot oh wait i remember the back half of it because yeah that's all the stuff in the movie that's why i don't remember it because i had to i had to pause it and then i couldn't get back to it until like a week later aka this morning uh the moon stuff is real so, fresh but the the lot the the la la stuff not so much so essentially it picks up right after the dawn rebellion and like Degwin's freaking out at like now we got to deal with this political situation Girin is over here like could not ask for something better mm-hmm. Girin is looking for any excuse to militarize and take more power and attack the federation i think Girin just wants to watch a lot of people die and gets off of the fact that people's lives are in his hands yeah 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 and acts like he has way more of a plan than he does so Dazzle is all like, "All right, I can't punish Garma because Garma's infallible and can do nothing wrong." Yeah. So Char has to be the fall guy for this. So we're gonna expel you from the academy and get you out of here, and you're now gonna essentially be in the reserves until we need yeah, you. And, sh- and so Char's like, "Char's like, sick. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go back to Earth and hang out and figure stuff out." And he's like, "Oh yeah, BT Dubs. If you ever need me." I request a mobile suit pilot. And Dazzle's like, God, fuck, did Garma tell you about that? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, fucking, that's... <laughs> that's like the biggest shithead in the world. He's like, I fucking... Wit- like, he should have just, just been like, oh, oh yeah, like, we fucking talked... <laughs> I t- talked about that, like, uh... Talked about that in bed. That was a pil- pillow talk. He was telling me about all the cool mobile suits after I got done fucking him. Peace out, anyway. So, we cut to, um... 0077... Because uh, at the end, in episode two, we had a small appearance from Amaro as, like, uh, when 
they're heading to Texas Colony. Amuro and his dad are like traveling, I guess, leaving Earth mm-hmm. uh, to go to go to um, Side Seven initially, or uh, to go wherever they went before Side Seven. And Amuro has like a Haro, has Haro in a box, and so it's kind of funny that like Mirai, Amuro, and Sela and Char all kind of crossed paths <laughs> without knowing each it's, other at it's all. It's a small galaxy. It's it's a smaller sphere. So the front half of this episode isn't really that dense. It's we can get through episode four pretty quickly, I think. Uh, uh, cause yeah, cause um, Char essentially is now working at Jabber. He's working as like a construction worker building Jabbero in Brazil. Yeah, and like he he almost gets like another micro persona, cause like he just has to pretend to be like a fucking like. Con- a like a, a construction worker dude douchebag he's just like it's like yeah, yeah the fucking those fucking Zeon Jagoffs am I right <laughs> yeah but uh he comes in contact with this uh young Indian girl named Lala Soon who is being uh used by this unnamed gambler and his crazy assassin friend to uh cheat at gambling using her new type powers where Char I think has the first like weird new type resonance mm-hmm. with her Oh, speaking of that, we didn't we didn't mention the first significant new type flash that he purposefully does uh, in the last one, where Garma's clowns, Garma's goons, when he first like hates Char, are like trying to flex on him, but then he literally just like looks at one of them dirty, and the new type flash happens, and he just falls backwards or something like. Yeah, he just like recoils in like physical fear. Um, and that, that was like, that brushed the line for even me. (laughs) I was just like, okay, what the fuck was that supposed to be? And how does Char know he can do that? Like, fine, it's fine, it's fine. (laughs) Where, um, I'm assuming, the the stuff with Lala is a little, a little, like, vague, but uh, what I get is that I think the gambler guy stole Lala from another criminal organization that was abusing her psychic Mm. powers, being a new type. He's like, hey, that's fucked up. uh, I want to do that. And so uh, the gambler gets into a conflict with the mob syndicate that he that he stole her from. Uh, the gambler gets killed by his own mm. dude, and then that dude gets killed by Char. Char kills him with a fucking shovel. It's, it's sick dope. as hell. Like that shit is raw. Another, another wa- yet another wow cool robot moment that involves no robots in this. Yeah, just wow cool Char. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says to himself. <laughs> wow, wow cool, cool char. char you know it'd be cool if i killed a guy with a shovel that'd be cool um where i think then the um the syndicate then in an attempt to get lala back attacks the build site but char fights him off in one of the the mobile mm-hmm. workers and at that point he's like okay lala like i'm gonna take you back to space because you can be my mom now <laughs> Well, it's just like fucking okay, fine. She's like, it's better than this. <laughs> so we cut to uh, Tam Ray, because uh, earlier at the end of the last episode, uh, Tam Ray shows up to Side Seven with now like a thirteen-year-old Amaro, being like, "This is our new home, except I'm not going to be here at all. So you're going to have to be the man of the house." And uh, good luck. Good luck. Try, 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 please, son. Look at me. Look at me try to wear some fucking pants we see a little snippet of Amaro falling asleep in class oh um 
everybody laughs at him. Frau is is Frau is so nice to Amaro. Frau is Frau is too it, fucking nice to Amaro. If 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 anybody in 0079 did not deserve to be involved in the one year war, it's Fraubo. And yet. Yeah, and yet. Uh I like how Amaro's dad is also kind of a dick to her. Just he's kind of a dick in general. Yeah, I, well, I mean, like, yeah. Look. No, okay, not 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 to be fair, but in terms of like etiquette, like this teenager is just like trying to tell this dad, like, "Hey, you're kind of a shit dad. You should treat your son better." And then I think she catches herself and is just like, "Ah, oh, fuck, bye." <laughs> <laughs> Frau tries. She's very nice. Oh. But uh, he has to eventually go on a business trip to the moon, where meanwhile Cassilia, in a in a weird disguise, is also infiltrating the moon. The way the way that sounded in my head, it was like a five year old writing like a sci fi story. It's like, and then the dad had to go on the business trip to the moon. Goodbye, son. I'm going to the moon for business. Just like a cray a crayon, it's almost literally a crayon drawing of Amro crying. <laughs> It's like Axe Cop <laughs> by way of Gundam. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my future child when they're like five years old to write a mecha and to write a mecha series and I'll draw it. Good. Uh. So that's so. Uh, at that point, um, they switch around the order of some stuff with the Amaro stuff because I think they didn't know they were gonna get the additional two mm -hmm. episodes. Because the Kai stuff happens like right when Kai starts harassing him on the highway. Ah, uh, I see. That's that that leads into them going like we're gonna go look beyond the wall, but uh, Kai ends up being just a fucking. <laughs> Do you like delinquent Kai? I fucking love delinquent Kai, and, and I will say that, that that's another good piece of flavor text that I like of just like oh side seven like there's there's so much construction going on here there's it's weird huh wonder what they're building I guess more houses right fucking that's it that, that, that's what they're building at that part of the side that no one's fucking allowed to go to <laughs> with all the military with the military being don't there even too. worry about it <laughs> so uh at that point Amaro sneaks into his dad's uh his dad's bedroom and looks at his laptop and sees Gundam schematics and he's like but my dad doesn't work for the Federation, he works for the colony. My dad just builds builds the colony. It's why he's always leaving the colony, right? Namoro's <laughs> like, what is my dad doing? Why is there a mobile suit? What is this thing? I'm gonna look. This is weird. Because Amuro looks like the only thing... Like, he looks like a kid who would just awkwardly build model kits or look at machinery, because that's just kind of the way his mind works. Yeah. Like, his walls are covered in, like, Federation ships. Like, he... He hyper-focuses. Uh... I definitely think Amuro is somewhere on the spectrum. And I'm not saying that to be derogatory. I just oh, think no. that's just where Amuro yeah, is. No. Um, Amuro is an autistic 15-year-old who has not been diagnosed. That I I would I would agree. Like fucking um that's that that's a big thing. Like that that's that's one of my favorite things to do for fiction because I I feel like we accident and I feel like one of the one of the reasons that we we have so many examples in fiction of 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 like of of people like accidentally writing being like autistic like, coded. like autistic coder at the very least like not neurotypical characters uh, is because they themselves might like the writers themselves might not be neurotypical and not even know it um, or like just 
or just most people are ne- are not Fuck neurotypical it. and don't know it. There are so, there are so many there are so many people who are against like therapy and medication who clearly need both. Uh. <laughs> yes, desperately. And among those is Tim Ray. <laughs> so me- Tim Ray is meeting with people from Anaheim Electronics, who are the biggest warmongers in Gundam. They build mobile suits for both sides. They just want to build mobile suits to make money. Like li- the- they don't give our, a fuck. Our company motto is "Wow, cool robot." That's that's literally the shittiest part of Zeta, and it's my favorite part of Zeta because how shitty it is is that Anaheim openly just ma- Anaheim only funds the AUG because the AUG will pay them. So they're like, yeah, we make mobile suits for the Titans. We don't care. We'll make mobile suits for anybody as long as they pay us. Yeah. And Unicorn has that as a big plot point too, with Anaheim being fucked. So Tim Ray's meeting with them, and he's like, "What do you guys got? Like, I got we have this leaked information from." Because earlier on in the last episode, with the mobile suit development plotline that we kind of neglected a little bit, Garen was about to pull the plug on it. Until Dr. Minovsky showed up like, nah, listen, if you give me enough time, I can make a condensed Minovsky reactor that literally is the the core of why mobile suits work the way they do. Yeah, because Garen's whole thing was like, we can't fucking send this shit out to battle. Like, it's just got a fucking nuclear reactor on its fucking chest, you idiot. Uh yeah, it's like if it gets shot once, it's, 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 it's your everything's around. It's gonna die. Yeah. Which you know, uh, Manovsky does find Manovsky definitely finds a good alternative. But the, the one of like the very first episode of Mobile Suit Gundam Amro sort of proves that's still somewhat of an issue depending on where you're fighting. <laughs> yeah, mobile suits are still extremely dangerous <laughs> things. <laughs> So Temre has has that information because you know just espionage is going on on both sides. There are there's even though the war hasn't started for another doesn't start for another two years. There's still like a cold war going yeah, on. Yeah, and and honestly, like this like the, the the second half of this one, I I actually do like a lot. I love all this shit. It's good. I wish there was a little more development of the Char and Lala stuff, and when there also I think was uh do we is there any Sela in this one? I don't remember. I, I don't think so. No, I think it's not until the next episode where we see her where we see what she's up to. Where, um... Because I think she has, like, a small appearance. I don't think she does anything significant. So, uh... Char is called back into space, uh, and, um... Because Dr. Minovsky is about to defect to the Federation. He no longer is cool at Xeon. He's going to defect to the Federation. So there's going to be this big operation where... We're going to rendezvous with him to get him to our side. And, like, something like... Stuff like this happened in the Cold War all the time. Soviet scientists going over to the West, Mm -hmm. you know? being like a big thing where we got like a military escort to make sure they don't get killed with the secrets they're bringing yeah because it's like it's not like the the fact that the fact that he's doing it isn't even necessarily treated with a whole lot of gravitas it's just like oh well well, well, he's doing this like he's transferring um let's make sure he doesn't die um what Minovsky can do is more important than Minovsky himself and so Tam Ray is like is all like, okay, so what are you guys going to get him with? And they're like, oh, we got these gun cannons. And Temray's like, these are fucking garbage. And the Anaheim guys are like, you don't know what you're talking about, Temray. We're Anaheim Electronics. Everything we do is great. And, and so he starts showing them footage of, like, the Bogu and, like, I think the the other, like, uh, like the videos leaked. Yeah. Like, the leaked videos. And they're kind of like, eh, we're not impressed. And Tem's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you idiots? So... Um, Rama Rall leads a squadron of bugus to go and like get Mino- prevent Minovsky from defecting, mm-hmm. and a, a battle ensues where the 
where it's like I think there's like thirteen gun cannons versus like twelve bugus, and it's like it's like they just get the Federation forces just get the floor they get white. They, 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 like they're like their their bullets aren't good enough. Like they can hit them, but it's just like pink. Like it's just like they don't fucking have anything. And uh, and because of Mash not listening to Rambaral's orders, uh, Minowski gets crushed by a destroyed gun cannon. Whoops. And it's kind of and then it's all for like not to which then um, Temre is like, okay guys, now we're gonna start development on the fucking Gundam. Look at this shit. Um. It's I, I just sort of realized it in this moment because like obviously like when I watched it happen before my eyes I'm like oh that, that's kind of shitty that this man got crushed by a mobile suit but then I'm like oh wait that's Dr. Manovsky fuck him <laughs> <laughs> like he, the the like all he would have done with his life is just make more war machines like that's fine so it's like at this point we then follow the Cassilia plot where she has been uh. She infiltrated the with in like a weird disguise. She infiltrated Granada, one of the big cities on the because there's von Braun in Granada, and then there's uh, that are the two biggest cities on the on the moon. And uh, Cassilia starts talking to the mayor of Granada and starts saying like, "Yeah, I'm," and she's like threatening him hardcore. Mm-hmm. And the mayor is just like. I'm gonna have a word with Prime Minister Gear, and she's like, "Hey, we don't have a Prime Minister anymore. We're not even around a democracy anymore. Degwin's the so- the Grand Sovereign, and we're about to fucking declare war on the Federation." He's like, "I gotta make a call," um, and he like leaves only to get smashed by a semi. Yeah, that the Cassilia, because Cassilia was just like, "Just be careful, like, like be careful out there. It's dangerous on the roads at night." And then she sends a fucking truck to drive on the wrong side of the road through a one lane tunnel. And kills the shit out of him. Yeah. And moments later, uh, we cut to 0078, and Zeon is beginning their horrible invasion of both Von Braun and Granada. Yeah. And the one-year war is inching closer to being a thing. So that's the end of Gundam Origin, uh, before we get to the Loom arc. And the la- the last two episodes are a little bit longer, but uh, five is I think the most dense as opposed, and six is pretty quick. Yeah. Where so we got to episode five, which is called Clash at Loom, which is funny because the Battle of Loom starts at the way end of it, and is mostly in the next one. But uh, we we open with um it's now double O seventy nine, and we open with Amaro getting harassed by Kai to go investigate what's beyond the wall. Okay, fucking. That, that it just feels like again. It just feels like a like a fucking YA novel plot point. But it's just like it. All of the Amro stuff, like especially as the one year war heats up, when it cuts to this, I'm just like, oh, these kids just have no fucking idea what's going on, and they're just like having the, a fucking time. The the at the end of episode four actually is when Frau gets food for Amaro and waits in his kitchen for like three hours while he completely ignores mm. her because he's just doing his hyper focus and she goes upstairs and just starts like crying because there's like a war going on and she just wants Amaro to like talk yeah, to her and like all he can think to say is like I'm I'm sorry I promise I'll eat your lasagna <laughs> and like in the manga there's a part where he I don't know if this is just a they them being flippant with the translation or not but there was a scene where where he says like like Frau tells him that she's scared like there's a war going on it's scary and Amaro says oh don't worry there's 
the Zeon has nothing. There's no reason for Zeon to come here, and just that 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 just leaves such a pit in your stomach. Yeah. There's there's so much Zeon there's so no much shit like that. Here. Yeah, um, there's 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 a lot of stomach pits. But again, you only get the stomach pits if you watch 0079 first. Yeah. So Granada and, and Von Braun by uh, by January third, 0079 are completely taken over. Uh, Zeon declares war on side two, and uh, their side two just gets absolutely destroyed by Zeon, which is when Ron Baral is just like, this isn't war, this is like a slaughter. And so, like, he goes, so, uh, at this point, Operation British is already, like, Garen's already planned it, and it's about to happen. They're gonna take, they're gonna take a, a, one of the, one of the, you know, parts of, uh, I think, side two, and they're gonna drop it on Island Ifish. They're gonna drop it right on, they're gonna try to drop it on Jabiro. Yeah. To just eliminate the Federation government in, entirely. And he's like, yeah, Ron Baral, isn't this a great idea? And Ron Baral's like, no, you fucking genocidal maniac. And and he's <laughs> you say uh, sorry. I was gonna move on to the to the sequence of 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 what's going on inside of the colony before it is dropped. Yeah. So me. So it just for like for like ten minutes we just cut to like two completely characters comparators we've never met before. Fang Li, Fang Lin, and fucking Yuki. Two people. Honestly, the 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 vibe I was getting from them was like. These two characters feel like they missed their chance at being in a being in a spin-off OVA. Yeah, this is oh man. So like if you if you have not seen Gundam, you're like, "Oh, who are these guys? Maybe they're important." If you have, you're like, "Oh, these poor poor people." And where Yuki seems to be like a young guy who's like, "Yeah, I'm going to defend my home from the the Zeon invaders." And his girlfriend is all like getting her family to the shelters and they're all like we don't know when Zeon are going to break into this colony they've been like you know invading them with like ground forces on the inside and mobile suits on the outside yeah like like Yuki's part of like a local militia basically um and like everybody's preparing and it's this fucking the the etiquette of war makes no fucking sense to me. It's such a farce to me. But like, so like, Z- like, like Zian is already there. They're already on the colony doing shit, and everybody's just sort of watching. Like, I wonder what these bastards are planning for what they're about to do to us. And it's just like, I, like it, everybody's so curious and calm, and it's like fucking. They're they're covering their outside windows with heat resistant like paint. And they're just like, I guess they're just trying to make it dark here so we can't see them, and it's like, man, fucking... I mean, I don't think anyone would think, like, oh, they're gonna drop us into Earth's yeah, gravity no, no, and absolutely. use us as a like, living I, missile. Like, I don't blame them, but it's still so fucked up, and then, like, you just get the big fucking, like, and then, like, the... And then the shot of the fucking payload coming, which was just an extra... Because, like, I... I, I guess that was, like, better to them of just, like, let's just uh, kill them all with gas before we drop it. I don't think they used gas. I think they were just, like, fucking with... Oh, no, they yeah. did use gas, because I thought they were just they were just fucking with the no, atmosphere. There was, a sh- there was a shot of them delivering the payload of gas. Yeah, you're right. I misremembered that. But And so you see, like, 
the saddest part is that it cuts to Fanglin and all the, her family in the co- in the shelter, and they're, they're already, already dead. dead. And as and there was a as Yuki's like trying desperately to get to them as he's losing energy as and fast, he's just as like hallucinating. He, yeah, and just like and you're just big oh, big grave it, of the fireflies. It's heart wrenching. <laughs> it is. It's big war crimes energy. Um. So at this point is we we see the colony drop in gruesome detail that we've never seen it before it, it goes in it goes it, into it it's like it's split up into three chunks here's all the places it hit here's all of the ecological damage that it did and here's and like after all of the fallout that like even people at the time didn't consider like when you and then it was like when you when you count all of just the the damage from the drop and then the ensuing the ensuing sickness and famine and disease afterward half of the planet is gone and this is in the future right now we have like 7 billion people i'm sh- they said the population was around like 12 billion and that like 5 to 6 billion people died but there's no and the 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 best part in terms of writing i'm not saying that this is like, oh it's so cool that this happened it's not it's fucked up it's just like I'm just saying, like, cool writing shit. Oh, yeah, no, in, in is terms how, of like, a fiction, in terms of a fictional, in terms of a fictional narrative, this is astronomical. And how the best detail is how they say there, there will never be an exact figure of lives lost during Operation British. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible, and that's so haunting. It's just that little and, detail. Like, it, the... And w- honestly, one of the be- one of the better parts of it is like it, it it doesn't. It's definitely explicit in what it talks about, and like a lot of like there's a lot of explosions and a lot of rubble and a lot of shit like that. But like there's there's actually no blood. I don't think there's just no. like a decimated city and a child crying on top of a pile of rubble is like the worst that it gets. Um, and that's all you need. Your brain fills in the yeah. rest. Like it one, like uh, I I the saddest part about Operation British is that it didn't even work. No, Jabra wasn't destroyed; it missed. And Degwin looks at because Ge- Degwin didn't even want to do this, and he looked at Gear and he's like, "Look at you! Look, we're all war criminals now. I hope you're happy, Gear." And Garen's like very happy about yeah. this. So, the best part of this episode is when Dazzle goes home triumphantly like oh yes i did operation british i'm so great and he's holding his baby and then he just is like oh my god i killed five billion people yeah and like his his daughter like his daughter his daughter weeps in his arms and he like he realizes what a monster he is the saddest part to me is that he doesn't even fully he isn't able to fully rationalize that in his head he has to come up with an excuse to be okay with it and I think it's because he starts second-guessing himself, like, no, no, I'm just stupid, I'm always stupid, Garen and Dad always tell me I'm stupid, and Garen's the smart one, and he's right. Because Garen's always right. I just gotta listen to Garen, and you're like, oh no, Dazzle. Because Dazzle's totally just been called an idiot and a brute his entire life, so he just defaultly thinks that every thought he has is inherently wrong. Yeah, no. So I'll just default to whatever Garen wants to do. Which makes Dazzle complacent in lots of war crimes, but it just uh, it gives it makes Dazzle a little more empathetic than you know Garen and Cassilia. It's, it's like a believable family dynamic. 
Like that's I like a I, believable dysfunctional family. Like, I know I know too many like I know too many people. I know too many people who are dazzled. I know too many people who have spent the better part of their adult life trying so hard to overcome their formative years of being told nothing but like you are stupid uh, and everyone else knows better than you i feel that it's it's relatable and so you dazazabi relatable so we get to the point where uh tachi shows up again this time now looking like he did in 0079 Uh, with his, he's, he, he went from being a boob to, like, a badass. He's, like, a spy now, working in Xeonic Intelligence, and tracks down Sela in Loom. And he's like, hey, I got some shit to tell you. And she's like, what do you mean? Because, like, this, at this point, the invasion of Loom is happening. Loom is in, is in the middle of a civil war. Half this, half of Loom, Loom's government is pro-Federation, but there's, like, big fighting in the streets, but there's a lot of pro-Zeon people, too. Because I could, once again, you could see, I mean, like, side two sided with the Federation, look what happened to them. And like, hey, no, hey, we might, we might want autonomy too. I mean, the Federation's treating all the space noids badly, not just the Xeon. Yeah. So I can, I can see why some people would be pro, pro Xeon. So this is when, uh, he's like, she, he asks her, uh, if she knows Char. Tachi asks Sela, and she's like, what like he was a guy i kind of knew and then he's like oh yeah by the way kosval daikun is alive and she's like what yeah he like give he like gives her just enough puzzle pieces and then just kind of bounces he's like i'm gonna get killed if i stay here any longer um but but also you you um you reminded me that we didn't uh we didn't talk about what happened when uh kai they went beyond the wall beyond the wall um, yeah, this guy got the shit the, kicked out the, of yeah, by they, the military. They got to the entrance of the tunnel, and then guns shot there. First of all, they stole uh, a bulldozer and drove it through town in the middle of the night and woke everyone up and just didn't think that anyone would care. Uh, That's Kai's an idiot. Uh, and then the military shoots them, and then and then like kicks the shit out of all of them but then they realize that Amuro Ray is Tem Ray's son and lets him go and I don't even think Amuro realizes how bad that looks cause like everybody fucking hates him after that <laughs> yeah everybody hates him after that and um Amuro comes back too to be like <laughs> as you said like what are you guys doing like, like hey what's the like I, I thought like Amuro you, my sweet summer child he he really just doesn't understand. He really just thinks that like he can just go like like oh the 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 oh the the military we're on they're on we're we're on the federation side. They're my friend. Like it's basically like it's it's literally that mindset of like oh the cops are here to protect us. Like <laughs> <laughs> um and you know, he's Amaro, you poor fucker. He's still like I. I was worried that this would be the point where they would finally be like, okay, we have to rough, we have to rough this kid up a little. I don't care whose son he he is, but they still do care whose son he is. Um, but what they do do is while he's being detained and he's t- telling them everything he knows without them even having to interrogate him because he thinks everything's fine, uh, they are breaking into his house and just. Uh, w- abusing horror yeah 
Haro was about to Haro was about to go off. Haro was like activating security mode and like revved up and glowed red like he was about to do a Kaioken. <laughs> and then they just kicked him out of the way and I was like, "No, what was he going to do though? I actually want to know. What was his plan?" Um but they they clean out they clean out uh they clean out Tem's room and it's just an empty room now. And Amaro gets back home like, "Oh man. That's going to yell at right? me." Oh man, th- when I get home, when Dad gets home, I'm so grounded. Do you think Tem? Do you think Tem just like get like gets to the like gets to the base and just like sees all of his shit piled in a corner? <laughs> and it's like, why is that here? <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like Amaro did say his dad never hit him because be like not even my own father ever hit me. And Bright's like, his veneer is too soft on you. I think Amaro's dad would just like was so mad at Amaro he just didn't they just didn't speak for like two months. Yeah. And that's like that's like worse almost. It's definitely a, a lateral movement of equally not good for different reasons. So at this point, um, the battle of so the Federation forces rally all of their um, remaining fleet, and they're like, we gotta. We gotta kick Zeon's ass. This, this, this is nothing's happening here. We're, Operation British was they, they they declared war on us three seconds before Operation British happened. This is fucked. We need to end this. So General Revel gets like a big ass fleet together, and uh, the Battle of Loom begins to commence. What happens to Sela? We talked about where um, she's at. The Asnable family die as they're trying to like. Char actually kills them without knowing. He just kind of blows up a ship that they were on. So that's another loose end yeah, he ties like, up. Yeah, like, he wouldn't have hesitated if he did, though. Like, come on. Because they were all like, you're not our sweet boy, what is happening? So I'll tell you what's happening. Click. But And then uh, a ton of anti-Zeon hooligans attack um, the where Tiabolo and Sailor are staying. I think during the thing, Tiabolo has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, it- so Sayla's adoptive dad dies. I and like they they didn't harp on this, but one thing that I thought about was like how she he dies in the middle of the battle and she didn't get to like talk to him or like see him off or anything or like attempt to treat him because she fucking snapped and went off on one and like did a violence and then you know after the violence is over it's like oh hey while you were off going commando uh your dad died and you'll never get to speak to him again uh so i hope that was worth it everything like that i i hope it was worth it fucking like going ape shit and and murdering some fools and going against everything that you've stood for up until this point for that brief amount of time i hope that was good because you missed an opportunity to say goodbye to your dead father uh so at this point, uh, everything is coming to fruition. Garma and sending aboard the Great Degwin with his father as the battle, as the first true battle of the One Year War is about to commence. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode six, Rise of the Red Comet. Uh, it's the Battle of Loom. Yeah. It's it's this um, Ryu from 0079 makes a cameo. He, his core fighter gets blown up, and he gets to, he like survives miraculously. <laughs> Uh, and see, it was good to see Ryu again because he's a character that doesn't get enough love. Um, but uh, it's not really much to go through like a play-by-play. But essentially, the Black Tri Stars and Char are just uh, 
it's a good you you can just it's a slaughter. it's a slaughter but also like it, like this is peak this is peak wow cool robot like e- even even before the battle like that whole sequence at the at the that whole sequence at the end of episode five and opening of this one where char we, we see char in the cockpit like what it's like for him to fucking go that fast as he goes that that's one of the best moments to me is right before they launch where they're like char what the fuck you're not wearing a you're not wearing a pilot suit that's against regulation like don't you give a shit and char's like well if i get hit i'm gonna die anyway so who yeah cares? Well, one if i get hit i'm gonna die like one if i get hit i'm gonna die anyway two even if that weren't the case no of course i don't give a shit and he's just sipping a beverage <laughs> like but I, and that's another detail i like is that char only wears starts wearing a normal suit because lala makes him later on yeah in 0079 um, because he has something to care. He has he has a reason to live, Ugh. kind of. Uh, but but then like then like that that's also the scene where he's like, get rid of the like get rid of the inhibitors so I can go faster. And he's like, but the stress on the pilot. And he's just like, nah, don't worry, don't even worry about it. <laughs> you don't even know how much stress I'm under, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking chart. Chart's such a douchebag. Like that, like that. Honestly, just him, just just like that is peak art like that's that's peak char archer that's peak charger so the battle of loom is a complete slaughter it, it's it, the animation is stellar uh a lot of people take issue with like the way the battle is presented with like oh all ships in 2d space and ships like sinking and i'm like that's just sci-fi battleship shit don't bother don't think about it too yeah much. like that, that again like i like i've i've gone off on this before but like 90 percent of space battles in sci-fi are just giant like allegories for naval war so like it's whatever just because that's what we understand, like three-dimensional space combat has not actually happened. Do you, you so want to be the anima- Like, do you want to be the animation director who has to choreograph that? Like, no, fuck off. Like, people have deadlines. Like Galactic Heroes, it Galactic Heroes is just essentially Napoleonic warfare, but with spaceships instead of like infantry regiments. Yeah, like it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It works. It like. If you want to, if you want to sit there for hours and develop what actual three dimensional tactics would be, go ahead. But <laughs> the rest of us have deadlines. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to play literal 4D chess. Thanks. So, um, the 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 flagship of the uh, Federation forces is uh, completely destroyed, and they capture General Rebel. Like this is like a complete win for Zeon. They they capture General Rebel. Degwin has a conversation with Revel where they're like, listen, we can come to, like, negotiations. We're not going to treat you badly. Like, you're an important mm-hmm. man. And, uh... The people of Side 5 are... A lot of them are killed. More of Side 5 is destroyed than remains. It's it's tragic. Like, that's just the collateral damage of this massive battle. Like, in the first month of the of the war half of the human population is now dead. Like, that is why all the Federation... That's why people would be like, oh, Gundam's unrealistic, because all the characters are, like, 19, 18, 15. I'm like, yeah, because everybody older than them is dead. Yeah, yeah, the... the, Like, it it, it, it was a... Like, just because it was, like... One-year war gives off the connotation of, like, oh, it was, like, a really quick thing. It's like, yeah, but... All of everything that happens in a normal stretched out war still happened in the span of 12 months. And on a bigger scale than any war has ever been fought on a, in, in yeah, like, if like, I, like, world history. If anything, 
like if anything like the reason it ended so quickly was because they they kind of ran out of people to fucking kill uh. that's honestly why like Alboaku at the end of Double Seventy Nine, the Battle of Alboaku, that was it. That was the last of that was the what was left of the Federation military and what was left of the Zeon military. Like that was it. That they were. That's why the White Base was held was fucking full of children and refugees, and they were leading the charge. That's what. That's all that was left. The One Year War decimated humanity. It's probably the single most important event in the this entire fictional universe's history for very obvious reasons. Yeah. And they learned nothing from so, it. And they learned nothing from it, which is why by 0093, Char is hard drinking and very mad at everybody in the world. So everybody gets big promotions. And every and Zeon's having a big, nice banquet to pat themselves on the back, and Garma's acting very, very gay. <laughs> He's just, he's, yeah, he's, he's totally just trying to fucking impress himself, like, impress, he's just, he's trying to impress Char. He wants to impress Char so bad. He's, he's like, he's trying so hard not to flirt. And failing utterly. And failing. And like. And Char can just see him for it, and Char is being such a fucking shithead about it. Char's being a shithead, like, and the, the, Char barely, Char barely, Char makes, like, half of a comment not even a real insult even and garma immediately crumbles and starts like screeching at him and like immediately loses his cool he he's not good at this he's never been good at this but because he is who he is no one's allowed to tell him that i i think like that that's i do you think this was char setting up his plan to kill garma later like he's like if I if I badger and push the right buttons here he's gonna do something stupid and get himself. I mean, killed. I mean that's that's probably that's probably the nature of their relationship as a whole because it's like because it wasn't Char's idea like he's going to tell Char where he's gonna be stationed and and Char's probably like yeah okay I can work with that. Uh. Char Char has Char like imagining like a really shittily drawn chibi char with bat wings saying like do I kill him and he spins around has angel wings says, or do I kiss him and it's like deviant art circle like 1997 yeah. <laughs> or like 2003 uh it's so Garma then is like okay I'm going to I'm gonna convince my father to let me finish putting down any any pro federation forces in loom and he does he succeeds McQV starts writing up the draft for the uh, Antarctic Trilogy, uh, not Trilogy, Antarctic Treaty, which is like no nuclear weapons are allowed, no bacteriological warfare, no, um, which both sides broke the Antarctic Treaty. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. But, uh, like, no no killing of prisoners, like, and stuff like, like, essentially they're writing up the Geneva Convention. Like, we got, if we're going to actually have this big-ass war, we need rules. Now that we've now that we've already done all of the worst shit, like what the fuck? Like, uh, I hate war. And so Do- at this point, Dazzle is like, "Okay, Char, you kicked so much ass at Loom. Here's your own ship." And I'm and he like he essentially tells him like, "Listen, I have a special assignment for you that's not going to take form for a while." And then a little adorable friend pops out of his table, 
and like yes i forgot about that looks around to make sure no one else is in the room because it's so he's got a secret mission for char and then spits it out and then char reads it and goes like thank you little friend and like the little friend is like no 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 now now no one has my secrets and then descends back into tussle's table and (laughs) that was delightful it was delightful. I'm sure God Dazzle like does shows everybody that like look at this thing. I fucking Dazzle, love it. I, I, I Dazzle, Dazzle absolutely has has named it and like loves getting reports from it. <laughs> but essentially, they've now intercepted info of like, hey, Federation Mobile Suit being developed at Side Seven, mm-hmm. which anyone who's seen 0079 knows that's exactly what Char is doing in the first fucking yep. episode. Even though it takes them about nine months to get there. <laughs> Because there's a bit of a gap in time. So, McCuvey is setting... Everyone's essentially developing, you know, getting ready to invade the Earth. But Degwin really doesn't want the war to go any further. He's trying to convince Revel to get everybody to surrender. Just so the war can end now. Mm -hmm. Degwin already regrets the war getting this far. And he can see Garen is already just a fucking monster. So, Char is hanging out in his ship... And, <laughs> and while well, completely something unrelated happens where uh, Federation Special Forces managed to infiltrate uh, Moonzo or Zeon, uh, the capital of Zeon, and they uh, break out Rebel. Yeah. They break out Rebel and they smuggle him out. And while Char is hanging out in his brand new fancy spangled I love my new ship. He fucking is like, wait, there's a Federation ship out here. What's it doing? And his, Dren, his captain, is like, let's go fucking take him out. And Char's like, wait, wait, wait. Let me check this out. You guys, you guys just hang out here. <laughs> so he shoots out in his Zaku, and Char comes aboard, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Like, he's like taking it seriously at first. He has guns, everyone's, everyone, he's like, He's like, I'm the Red Comet. You guys know what that means. They're like, oh, fuck, he's the Red Comet. We know what that means. And suddenly, General Revel is just standing in front of Char, and Char's like, oh. Oh, and he puts the gun away. He's like, sorry for bothering you, sir. Salutes him and just leaves and doesn't tell anybody what was on the ship. And he literally, he, he, he gets back to the ship and is just like, tells, tells the captain, like, nah, we, we almost, we almost fucked up some, we almost fucked up some great political theater. And, and I'm like, this is the second. This is the, the second time Char actively made the one year war worse. Yeah, because because Revel gets on Revel gets on air during the treaty, right when they're about to yeah during the the summit, and is like, and he gives the Z on his exhausted speech. Yeah, yeah. It's like we will not surrender to the Federation. To which Degwin is like, oh fuck, then we're actually doing war now. Oof. And one last time, we cut to Sayla, who is now on a, in a shuttle on the way to Side 7, where she, because, you know, Loom is destroyed. She has lost everything. She is a doctor, and Side 7 needs doctors, so guess where she's going. And I like how um, there she, he, she gets, like, harassed by those dudes, and she's like, hey, listen, you want to get... She's like, I'm... What are you, they're like, oh, cutie, what are you listening to? And she's like pulls off her headphones and is just like, I'm listening to General Revel talk about the war that's going to probably kill all of us. Want to sit next to me? And they just leave. Yeah, that's a pretty good flex. 
Sayla's the best. And we cut also to like Kai listening to it too. Yeah, like they're they're, they're chilling out on like on like the river, like playing around and having a time. And like Kai, Kai's Kotski gun. Let's make a cameo. Yeah, it's 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 cute. Um, and then like and then like Frau's Fra, Frau's like in a cute and like a like a little bikini, just like it's like Amro, come in the water with me. And Amro's like, uh, I don't feel good. This makes me feel a way I don't know how to articulate. Oh God. Um. And this is when it starts popping up underneath everybody's name, like, 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 the Hayato, Their fate. Hayato, gun cannon pilot, Kai Shiden, gun cannon pilot, like, Frau is, like, medical officer, like, assistant medical officer, Sela medical officer, Mirai, helmsman of the white base, Amuro Ray, pilot of the Gundam, and that's where episode six ends, and there's an after the credits bit that's really good where we see bright talking to tem ray and tem ray showing bright a picture of amuro saying like yeah that's my son isn't it true that there's people as young as him fighting his gorillas and you're realizing oh man that's exactly where 0079 picks up yep and that's gone to the origin and i think all it did was make 0079 better it really fucking did um because you know how hard it was for me not to... Cause I did. I only watched half of it. But you know what I did? As soon as I finished it, I popped in Gundam Movie <laughs> 1. I definitely wanted to, I definitely wanted to, but I had to go to work. Um, and... So, I, I think we've... We've shared our overall thoughts just, just speaking about it. But, like, one, one talking point that I kept coming back to especially before the one-year war kicked off, like, the whole first half, the whole first half of this thing, like, it got me thinking whenever it would cut to, like, 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 launching huge, massive, like, military power. So it's like, okay, the the, the universal century, like, the, the Earth is a federation. The Earth is united. Presumably. Yes. And... The colonies are colonies of of Earth. They are united. What? Who? What's the military for? That's what I. That's where I. What have. the fuck? Why are they still making ships and stuff? Why do they even have that many? Because I want to think that maybe they've had they've had to deal with a lot of separatist movements or people trying to break sure. out and you know secede from the federation, so they need a strong standing military in order to you know keep the federation standing, yes. as well as probably dealing with a ton of rebellion, a ton of a ton of rebellions and skirmishes and revolutions in the in the colonies. Yes, I I, I do um, believe like. I, this isn't a fucking yeah. That 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 me raising that question isn't like a fucking CinemaSins ding. Uh, no, I was just giving an explanation because I thought you were just asking a question. Yes, and, and like it's it's less the it's it's less it's less of a question that I require an answer to or want an answer to. It's it's more of like a fucking it's a, like the question is actually a statement uh, of just like you know they're just the it dawned on me just the hypocrisy of it all of just like we are this universal century it is a t- it is a time of peace we're all like united rah rah but also like th- th- the military if anything 
like under a united earth of peace seems stronger than fucking ever like there's there's major military forces like not only on earth but on but in space as well and just like just all of this fucking r&d for 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 fucking what who could say it just makes me think that like it's the military industrial complex yeah. That shit never will it's go a military away. industrial complex and it also just it also made me believe that like fundamentally m- maybe even like m- like deeper down than anybody could even fathom to think like it's just in their bones to like be like this is this isn't gonna last this isn't gonna last why why would oh, we yeah. stop the military we're we're gonna have another war like don't worry there will be more wars <laughs> just like the kids at the end like, of fucking yeah dead ass like and that's like, that is that. If anything, that is the true folly of of man. Not even necessarily just for war, but just being un like everybody wants a better world, but we we have done a poor job cultivating imaginations that can picture it, and so we just continue propagate the same world that we've always lived in because we don't it's like it's like all those people who say like oh yeah space force is awesome because i like star trek completely missing the point of star trek yeah especially especially like later especially shit like uh deep space nine the the series that everybody sleeps on and was arguably the arguably the one that took the federation to task the most that was the entire point of Deep Space Nine was to like deconstruct Star uh, Star Trek, which is why a lot of people. Yeah, didn't like and they're it. all wrong. Deep Space Nine whips. Cisco is mad, and it's God, great. So good. Um, and so is this, and so is Gundam. Um, don't, don't ever, don't ever, so, don't ever uh, make mechs. Don't ever bring the military to space. None of this shit should ever be real. Like that. That's like. That that's I think if someone's like man I can't wait for mobile suits I think you're missing the point of Gundam, and I mean you know that that's 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 wow cool robot that's that's war media in general. Like I tell me you like I think this does this underlines everything Tommy no wanted to say about 0079. Yes. It like I I so. Even though Tomino didn't was not involved in this whatsoever, it's his presence is still lingers. You still feel definitely his thesis. Well, because like here. you know, it's it's at least at least one person who was still on that team, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yoshikazu. Yeah, Yasumiko. so it's like it's not Tomino, but it's like people Tomino trust. Um, people Tomino people work with, with, like like like. Times. Regardless, regardless of how much one person contributes, it is still a team. It is still a team effort, and like that, the the spirit of Gundam uh, permeates perme- this. Absolutely. If if there's anything that feels tonally similar to 0079, even in the Universal Century, this nails it. Because it should. It's a direct prequel. And so, one thing I want to ask you before we go into our in memoriam and and, and mm-hmm. final thoughts. So when we watched 0079, you always kind of were more on the side of Zeon than you were on the Federation. Do you still stand that way? I I think I still do in a much in an even more general sense than I already 
was. I, I, I... Because I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, oh, to, to like, Zeon more than the Federation. I'm not trying to say her out. that. I'm just saying, I'm ca- like... She's cancelled. Um... Cancel Tooch right now. Cancel her. Cancel this, this Zaku girl. <laughs> That's me. Just fucking put me in a green bikini and give me a little goof hat. Or a blue one. <laughs> Well, if it was a goof, I'd right. be blue. Right, because yeah. I was going with Zaku, but then I changed course because obviously I'd be a goof girl. Um, but... But goofs can't operate in space. Uh, that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> but so... I, I, like, at, at the end of the day, like, what it all comes down... What it all comes down to is, like, I... I think if you no longer live on a planet, you should be autonomous from it. And like, yes. I guess the argument could be made that like, Zion's politics, stri- or at the very least, like they're real, they're tangible, they're the the material, their material politics that they actually, like, did, like the shit that they did and the shit that they actually stood for, like, doesn't doesn't resonate at all with like the propaganda, um. But like, I sh- I sure as shit don't like. But like, what was the prop? What was the propaganda of the Earth Federation? Like, no, fuck them. They should still work for us. Like, no, fuck off. Eat a dick. They don't. They don't have a leg to stand on. At least Zeon had a compelling argument, even if it was a lie. Even if it was just an excuse to establish an aristocracy. Yeah, like, fu- like whatever. I, I could see us being, like, really into the teachings of Zeon Daikun, but just being, like, we hate the zombies, but because we live it, but because we live in a totalitarian police state, we can't outwardly say how much we hate the if zombies. If anybody, if, if, if there was ever a piece of, like, EU flavor text that was just, like, the in-universe book that, that, Z, that, that Zeon, that fucking Zeon Daikun wrote, I feel like we would, we would read it and then accidentally, like accidentally like fall in love with it and actually try to put it use it in our lives <laughs> like um that it, it's funny like i uh there's a manga i really want to read that hasn't been translated called the plot to assassinate mm-hmm. Giren, which takes place right before the battle of solomon where it's about a ton of like it, it's based on the assassination of plot against hitler ah that almost killed hitler where um, it's about a ton of Xeon, like, politicians who are just like, there's no way we can beat the Federation. This is a po- this war is almost apocalyptic. We need to kill Garen. And it just sounds really, really that good. That does sound really good. Uh, so, you want to do In Memoriam? Let's do it. All right, In Memoriam. Uh, in Memoriam, uh, in memory of uh, Zeon Daikun. Uh-huh. Poisoned. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sasro Zabi. The one, the one true retcon in this in this prequel. Died in a car bomb. We have Rosa Lucia Daikun. She, she died of old age. She. I, I wanted a little more of her because I, I I want like even more to go further back. I want to see like what the the what Zeon Daikun was all about like before he kind of was crushed under the pressure of his own of being Zeon Tycoon. Yeah, like what like what was he a was he a, a new type or did he just believe the, in them? Well, he coined the term. Sure, but was he one? 
I'm not sure. There's not enough information for me to make that judgment. True. Uh, Astraya Daikun. She died of a broken heart. <laughs> uh, Jim Baral was killed with a sword. Fucking sick. Uh, the real Char Asnavold. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the death records. It says uh, it says uh, fucking uh, Edward Edward Moss uh, in memoriam. Edward Mass, yeah, in memoriam. Edward in Mass. memoriam, the the uh, fucking Le- the, the idea of Edward Mass. Uh, Lino Fernandez. Uh, killed by friendly, friendly fire. fire. Um, a memory of an unnamed gambler. <laughs> Who was beheaded by a with a ring blade? Mm-hmm. We have Aga, which was that assassin's name, who was killed by his own blade thing and a shovel. Uh, in memory of Doctor Minovsky, crushed by a gun cannon. Uh, in memory of Smokey Wilson, he was the mayor oh, of. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Head-on he collision was... with a large truck. Yep, death, death by, by truck. Cecilia. Uh, uh, in in very tragically, uh, in memory of Yuki and Fang Li. Mm-hmm. Oh, also Cassilia's K- uh, Cassilia's uh, guard. Oh yeah, what was I his name? I don't fucking know. Uh, didn't have I a forgot, name, uh, yeah, but yeah, in memory uh, of that idiot. Sh- shot shot for snitching. Shot for snitching. Uh, in memory of Michelle and Roger Asnable. K- killed by k- killed by their own adopted son. Who is under the guise of their real son? Under the guise of their real son, and then rest in peace, Don Tiabolo Mass of a heart attack, and all the victims of the colony drop and uh, the one week war. The populations of side four, side two, side one, most of side five. Um. Rest in peace, Dazzle Dazabi's conscience. <laughs> Uh, and rest in peace, Amaro's innocence. Yeah, and Lucifer. And oh, oh, and Lucifer. Rest in peace, Lucifer. There wasn't too big of a body count in Origin, but because the 0079 one is a lot bigger, but they make uh, you feel it. I honestly like as soon as you were winding down this list, I was like, I could have sworn more people died, but it was just the emotional impact. Oh yeah, all the deaths in this one resonated. Uh, so, final thoughts on Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin? It's fucking good. It's really good, dude. Like, if you like 0079 and you haven't seen this, just please watch this. If you haven't seen this or 0079, dude, you've already okay. If you've listened to this episode and you've already been spoiled on everything because you've listened to us, just watch Origin and then the 0079 movies back to back. And or at least like wa- watch the watch the fir- like watch the first four. Watch the non-Amro heavy shit, and then you'll probably want to watch 0079. And then you'll yeah, have then you'll have more you context for the last two. Definitely. Um, God, this is Origin was better than it had any right to be. Uh, I just can't believe. Like, I think Gundam is the only sci-fi franchise I like that hasn't been ruined yet. <laughs> Well, no, because honestly, like it, it, it helps. It helps because it's such an anthology. Like even when it takes place in the same timeline, it, it's like 
like sure not like i haven't seen it yet but like the the general cons the general consensus of gundam of of narrative was that it was kind of a stinker uh narrative was okay. like but but again like regardless i also i think a lot of people watched it without watching unicorn and narrative is like it's essentially just another episode of right unicorn. but like regardless of that like you know and you know what happened after gundam narrative flopped everybody moved on and we're all really hyped for hathaway's flash and that's probably gonna be good and like yep. and it's gonna be great and no one's gonna care about narrative anymore uh narrative's <laughs> fine it's not great it's just it's i fine. i just, I like just mean like i just mean like it's not some stain on the fucking overall oh, yeah. canon like fucking like everybody treats like the star wars prequels like they're like you can't do that to gundam because it, all the good shit is so self-contained but it still adds to the greater whole gundam more more fandoms should should be like at the very least the 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 overall gundam fandom just because i feel like everybody just has their own favorite things that they like and everybody stays in their like sub fandom clicks basically like, uh, for example, like, Arcade doesn't think War in the Pocket is that good, and I think it's very good, and I th they think Stardust Memory is better than I think it is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm i interested in watching Stardust Memory again, because, like, the last time I watched it, I remember being kind of lukewarm on it, but, uh... uh... I think Stardust Memory is very good, is is very good technically, it has a lot of great animation, I just think the cast is very Yeah, it, it... Yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into that in two weeks. Next week, we're back yeah! to the Yeah! More fuck-ups. Uh, I watch... I'm up to episode 17 now, or I think we're watching up to 25 or 26. Okay, okay. We'll double... I'll double-check. Um, do we have anything? Any messages? Or does anybody... Nobody likes to talk um, to us? I haven't checked, and I don't want to, because I want the episode to be over. Yes, me too. Uh, you can fo You can follow me at RoBohemian, uh, at Ro underscore Bohemian, R-O underscore Bohemian, at Twitter. Uh, it's on, on Twitter. You can follow us at Metrospective. You can email us at uh, Metrospective at gmail.com. Uh, please rate us on iTunes. Even if you hate iTunes, it would be a big favor to us to try to get us to get more listeners. Yeah, leave us a review. We'll read it on and, the show. And from now on, we cry at war crimes. We cry at uh, war crimes. Also, you can follow me at Out of Touch. Do it. Get us in.